The best damn league show period is brought to you by Esports Bet. Now, you might have heard in the past, I often mention the deposit bonus that they have, where if you've never deposited before, you can get a 50% bonus up to 200 US dollars by using our referral link on your first ever deposit. But if you haven't done that, maybe for whatever reason, that's just not that appealing to you. They have an alternate first bonus that you can get, which is basically you can place your first bet with Esports Bet up to 100 USDT risk-free. So if you lose it, you get back the 100 USDT and you can go ahead and play it again. Now, what you do is go and tell the Esports Bet customer support team that you came from Insight on Esports us to claim the full cash back. So obviously make the bet it's your first ever time doing this. If you lose, then go either do it through the website, do it through the Discord, tell them you came for Insight Esports, mention this, they'll know what you mean, and then you'll be able to get the 100 back. So there you go. You can give it a go, even if you've never done it. If you're someone who comes from Insight and Esports, you can claim up to the full 100. And those who don't, if you don't say Insight and Esports, they'll still give you the 30 USDT back as a little bonus, but you won't get the full 100. Make sure you mention IOE slash Insight and Esports. I'll say Thorin or Monty sent you or something like that. Obviously, now I'm going to send you to Best Damn League Show. Let's talk about some LEC. This is going to be another episode of the Best Damn League Show. Period. Key key part there is the period because it puts the full stop on it, makes it serious. We're not fucking around. Good job, no, I actually put that. Compete. It's a good job I actually put that better intro on these episodes. I've realised I've already just violated one of the cardinals into YouTube. I said fucking around like five seconds into it when if you don't know guys you're supposed to wait 30 seconds without any cursing or whatever listen yeah, we all know exactly i flop the convention this is what i do right let's start out with what was obviously on paper the biggest of the marquee matches which was the rogue versus mad lions one and obviously it did end up being five games it was back and forth like i'll just say to, to start out with don because i want to get your take on this i don't want to put too much initially all i'll say is this this was one of those classic series where it's like, mate, even when Rogue do come through in the big game, they can never bloody convince you, can they? Like, when they were, I was saying to Monty, mate, I don't care that Rogue won this game. Like, there's no way I'd be going home to the team house, like, high five in, like, good game. Like, we finally be here. Like, no, like, even the way they won was like, bro, they sort of let you in almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a very, a very Rogue style win. But I mean, hey, look. We did the predictions. Both of us actually predicted Rogue to win the yes, series. Yes, that's so. true. That's true. I can't lie. When the game started, I was worried about that a little bit, those first couple of games. But like, oh, absolutely. The thing is, though, mate, the way that that whole thing went, it's like, fucking hell. The thing about yeah. Rogue is, like, they just... Like, put it this way. On this particular one, especially, I feel like... I, 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 what I would genuinely love to know, Dom, is this, because I pointed this out in the past. It's like, I even think their drafting was fine, but I just don't know how Rogue actually thinks of the first games of series. Because if you notice now in the first games, it's like you are, the joke with Rogue is, I'll get, this is the analogy I would give. They're like a fighter in UFC who doesn't like properly come alive till they get like cracked in the mouth, you know. If you're just at the beginning of the fight, they're the guys that just touch the person's hand like eight million times and circle around them and never do <laughs> anything. It's like you actually have to straight up crack these guys, drop them. They're like, they're corner to be like, you're one round down, you're going to lose this. And that's when, like, finally they start playing League of Legends like they do all season. Like, I don't, the way they start these series, mate, is death. That's why I'm saying, even though they've won, this is not a raw hype episode. This is actually one where it's like, man alive, how, how did they get themselves in such trouble? Well, I think that it, it just starts from draft. Like, the, the last series where they ended up just getting their asses beat was the, the G2 one, right? Like, the G2 yes. where they ended up just getting 3-0'd in the finals. And I feel like their read on, like, metas and stuff 
is generally pretty bad. Like when you look at their prep coming in, they're playing things like Silas into Talia, which is fine. You know, like other regions with really proficient Silas players you know, will play. Maybe, maybe if you're yeah. LPL mid lane, you know. If this is like Knight into Rookie, I'll accept that matchup. I don't know about exactly. Larson. I don't know about that, you know. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> Talia has been probably Niski's yes. most successful champion over the course yeah, of the yeah. split. So it's like, why do you even need to put yourself in that position? Like, why can't you just start out with the control mages? Why can't you start out with the Orianna? And if they beat that, yes. then maybe you start like yes. opening up as things um, go on. So I just, I feel like their reads on, on things are, are, are really strange. Um, I mean, last time, obviously, they were leaving up the Ari uh, in the G2 series where it's like, don't give Caps Ari. He will 1v9 every fucking game. It's been the story of this playoffs. Don't give BB Orn. Don't give Caps Ari. They're like, what happens if we give them both? Like, what will they draft then? And then they just get shit on like 3-0. So I don't know. It just feels like their, their prep is normally really off. Like, a lot of things that they do are okay on paper, but why do you have to put yourself in that position? Why do you have to have the Renekton into Orin game one with the Silas into, into Talia? And then to top it all off, you have Maorong just being edgy as fuck as always. Phase rush Jarvan. He has this weird ass build where he, he doesn't go the full chainsword in a lot of the games. He just starts on an executioner's calling and then he builds tank, but then he builds a GA. But so he's building like a BF sword. It's just the weirdest thing. So I just feel like they need to be more realistic with what, they're, they're proficient at. I felt like if they just started out with the Oriana, just, you know, play defensively, don't lose too much in the early game to Mad, they're going to win out the mid to late game versus Mad naturally. So you don't need to do too much here. I feel like they just overcomplicate things and they really try to like give the enemy team a twist and the twist is never something that the enemy team's really going to be thrown off by. It's like, ooh, what happens if we if we actually did pick the Silas here? I'm, I'm sure they won't be expecting that. Yes. And Mad Lions just easily wins the game. It's like, yeah, we weren't expecting that because you guys are not fucking good at these types of comps. So... Yeah, I think it's just very um, strange how they they have a read on on uh, metas. I just feel like their prep normally fails them. Because that's what's weird. Think about this, right? Last year, obviously, everyone hailed when they won the series again. Oh, sorry, not last year, last split, obviously, when they won the Fnatic series from behind. It was the opposite in that one. They started out with like the really boring drafts, and they were like, right, well, that doesn't work, so we better do something different. And it was the opposite. They pushed themselves into the outside of the comfort zone for the Silas picks and all that jazz. Here's what I don't get about this series, mate. It's just look at the way they did game five. That's who Grog is, mate. Just give yourself yes. all comfort. Those aren't even the strongest champions at those roles, but like you just know, guys, there's an obvious way this comp's supposed to be run. There's no fucking questions that you know exactly what we need to do. Yeah, you got a bit of lock in certain parts of the game. That was, to me, that makes way more sense to draft like that for them. I agree. I don't know why they're trying these edgy picks. Yeah, I mean, the Silas into TF, I mean, it was edgy, but it made a lot more sense in the Fnatic series because they kept on drafting TF and Silas is like the notorious counter to TF. So there I can understand it, but this is like, it's not even a counter here. And Silas is not this Omega OP champion where people are blinding it, unless your name is like Chovy, uh, your yes. name is Chovy, fucking Knight, you know, Scout, like unless you're one of these you guys, you're not even doing this. Yes. Yes. Your gal, like these are the guys that are actually going to, to be able to do it. But all those players have a natural um, inclination to picking those high skill champions anyway like when you look at all the, those players they're really good on Ari right they love playing Ari they love playing Silas they love playing uh like Zoe LeBlanc like these are all champions that are in their wheelhouse so if you're that type of mid laner it makes sense to like want to take a bad matchup because just because you're so good at Silas you're like doesn't matter bro just give me like one playable ult on the enemy team we're gonna get into a scrappy situation and we're gonna like win out it doesn't feel like Rogue is even that team it doesn't feel like they like taking like fights where they have to outplay significantly in order to gain an advantage. It seems like Rogue likes taking the extremely disciplined, like, oh, we have an advantage here. They're in, like, a compromised position. Like, we can get vision, and they want to take these, like, very, like, straightforward fights, which doesn't really enable those champions to, to really work in that system. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, here I think that it was it was it was really strange. I, I made a joke in that game five though, um, with, with Rat IRL, which was like kind of a joke, but it's it's pretty serious that when you saw Odo down like three levels that is tier two laning versus Armut, you just knew the game was one for Rogue. I'm like, they are right in their comfort zone. Odo is a million CS behind. He can barely lane, but bot lanes ahead. You know that they're always going to win games like that. You know, that is the perfect Odo on their sure. game. So yes, I, I really like the way that they ended that on, on, on game five, but I do feel like, like Malrong came into the series as, as things went on. He started like opening up and being, I mean, at least, less crazy with a lot of his builds. I mean, I understand his builds, right? The phase rush into Trundle. It's because phase rush pillars, uh, you get pillared by Trundle. Phase rush removes slow, so you could just like quickly like auto queue uh, like E and then just walk out. Like you don't actually have to just full EQ out every single time. You have the ability to proc your phase rush. I just feel like it's, it's really not necessary. I mean, and a, a lot of these Jarvan picks like didn't even make sense. Like the first game, he's playing full tank Jarvan into Orn. Talia is the only one that makes sense. Trundle, which isn't a great matchup, and Lucianami. Like, why are you picking Jarvan into Lucianami? The reason, the way, the time that you pick Jarvan is you pick Jarvan generally into things like Sivir, like the mobile champion that can't do anything. You burn the Sivir's flash one time, you ultimate in the next fight. Sivir can't kite you around, use all the movement speed, any of that shit. So I just felt like, I mean, they they seem very like honed in on picking only a few champions in certain roles, and then I, I feel like that type of dynamic is not going to really function against G two. But who knows? I don't think G2 played their best series ever, so we can oh, look no. forward to that. We and can definitely get into that soon, yeah. Uh, one thing I will say on the Rogue side, like some positives. One thing, for example, is just as a few years back when he had to do this, obviously, with the Lucian and the Silas last playoffs, but at least Larson now, by the way, actually has the Ari. The one he did not have in the spring that you were talking about, he is actually really good on Ari now, mate. Like, he can definitely play it. Like, if I, I'd, I'd even say I actually think it's one of the better champions he has because I actually noticed he will sometimes use the ult offensively, but obviously it's the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free, isn't it? If he gets trapped, unlike other champions, he's not a fucking melee range with a mage like you can just get out on that so that's a positive obviously that will be a contested pick potentially in the next series i'll also say as well like here's the problem i have with their game five it's like i do think the draft was well done i think they probably told the players roughly what to do but mate you got handed the greatest fucking beginning to that game ever imagine this dom imagine in the draft right we're mad lions and we see they draft that comp so we see their bot lane is going to be caitlin locks and it's going to be perma pushing brilliant we're going to go and dive the top lane right what mm -hmm. the fuck was the beginning of this? Like, this dive could not have been more fucking bungled. And they managed to bungle it, Dom, where, think about it, they put the Wukong behind, the Renekton behind, and you put the enemy fucking jungler ahead, and you, and now you can't go and gank that bot lane. You could yep. that gank bot lane, by the way, if people don't know, with a Wukong especially, you would just get, get like, you'd gank that 24-7 if you could. You'd have that, you'd have them perma behind, right, if you could, if you'd had agency. Uh, at six, yeah, at six you can definitely gank the ball lane. I think the this is actually something that I've noticed with Elioia in big games. He actually does this quite a bit. If you remember the LNG tiebreaker that they played at Worlds, um, he did another one. This is when he was on Kiana and he just like completely botched the dive and it just pretty much ruined the the game. I mean, they ended up winning it later on. I think Armu dealt with it pretty well, and I, I don't think LNG progressed the game as well as they possibly could have. But I feel like this is something that. Mad Lions has generally done specifically with El Yoya is they go for these like really aggressive dives and they don't have the like restraint to be like, it's not there. Like they, oh, they never call they, it off. Do they never call yeah, it off? Yeah. They never call it off. There's no yes. restraint in the dive. They look at it and they're like, well, we said we were fucking diving. So let's, let's try to make it happen. <laughs> let's see how it happens. Where at some points, like you need to be able to, to, to be realistic with the situation. Sure. Dives could have worked in scrims, but 
when you look at it, if the wave is not crashing at the right time, if the enemy jungler is just sitting under the turret there, I think that there's a lot of times where um, it goes bad. And even that that dive, it could have went worse for them. Like, it, it really oh, could have went yeah. worse for them. Yeah, yeah. Ma I mean, Marong missed his EQ at the beginning of that dive. Like, maybe that's what actually baited them into diving. Maybe they would have called it off if right. he didn't uh, miss the EQ. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise for Rogue. But realistically, like, if you start diving and Jarvan has combo up, oh my god, like, you are, there's a chance that Odo transforms there, goes Mega, and you go three for zero, and then the Gnar is super ahead, not just the Jarvan, so, it was just, uh, yeah, it, it was rough to watch, for sure. I also want to talk about this, right, because even though, in this series, for game four, it was a big deal, actually, that the rogue guys managed to draft the Lucian army and they won, like, Obviously, spoiler, this is going to come up in some of the other series, right? Dom, I can't handle this fucking pick because, yes, I know why the top LCK and LPL teams pick this bot lane. The Western teams picking this bot lane, mate, appear to have no clue why they're picking it. And, the like, some of the stuff they're doing in lane is mental, mate. Like, basically, in this particular game, so in game four when Rogue takes it, spoiler, it was fuck all to do with them that they even got in the game. That was the one where, basically, like, you had them utterly fucked out of lane. They can't even start the game. And then they just, and then it's like Mad Lions were like, ah, just give them mercy. Just, just, just let them play again. Fuck Forget about the bot side of the map. Like, what are you talking about? And then in game five, mate, I can't believe if you're the Mad Lions coach, you draft that bot lane and give your rookie fucking ADC the first ever playoff series ever. That's his game five draft. Like, mate, what, what happens? It Listen, it, obviously plenty of other things happen, but what? how can he trust that he's going to pilot it? Like, I, I think these coaches, I assume, my only assumption could be, Dom, because I don't want to say they're idiots. I just assume in scrims it just goes a lot better and that this bot lane just looks awesome. It doesn't have the problems. Because when I watch all the top teams in the West play in these games, mate, it's not, it's not looking good. It's looking like they, they have so many times where they almost like kill themselves with these picks. Yeah, the, the Lucian, okay, here, here, it's time for the Lucianami red because I feel like this is actually misunderstood. I know LS hates the Lucianami. I actually like the Lucianami, but Lucianami, it scales with your skill at it. And the thing that's really weird about watching all the LEC Lucianamis is they all take press to attack, which means that they're probably stomping lanes and scrims. They're, they're being like, oh, with right. PTA, you can actually get an advantage. Whereas when you look at the Eastern Lucianamis, almost all of them take first strike. There was a little bit where Gala was taking PTA. Um, he was the one that was holding out. But now when you look at it, Viper, Jackie Love, uh, you have Ruler who's super famous for it. Like Ruler is the one that started taking the first strike, I believe. Um, and they all take first strike because they play for mid game. They play for the one item spike where it seems like when when you watch Madden, like the more egregious one wasn't even Madden. It was Fnatic. Like Fnatic's yes. fucking Lucianami. That shit was horrible because... The way you need to play it is you play for the mid prio, right? So you play for the ability to force them out of mid before key objectives. So like, I mean, maybe if it's two minutes before Drake, you can always cast and see if you can get a kill. But the whole idea is that the Lucian Nami has the ability on one item for both. So you share a lot of gold between the Nami and the Lucian. Once you have Imperial Mandate and Gale Force, if you just have control of the mid side bushes, so the line brushes on either side of mid, what you can do is as soon as the enemy team tries to contest the mid wave, like they could be literally at their turret. You dash over that wall, you proc your W, which gives the slow because of Nami's E, and then you just calling them down, gale force, finish them off, blow the flash, whatever. And then the way that you're supposed to use this in the mid game is to get complete vision over dragon. And one thing that Eastern teams prioritize way more than Western teams is they, they care about vision way, way more. When they have vision of an objective, that, that means that they'll be willing to like take a fight where they're three, 4K gold down, 5K gold down. If they have vision over the objective, they view it as like, you can almost take any fight that, that you want because of just the advantage that it gives you the ability to one-shot people. And just in general, when you see their setups, 
they spread a lot more like thin across like multiple different angles. Um, when you see an Eastern team, they'll have somebody sitting in a pink warded bush, like maybe at red, then you'll have another guy that's like sitting potentially flanking over towards mid, or maybe in one of the brushes around mid, like pixel or, or the banana bush there. Then you'll have the other three contesting from, from like, like straight forward. So you have like the front to back and then you have a double flank if they potentially engage. And they're so much more willing to pull the trigger. And when you have Lucian Nami, you get insta mid prio, right? Like you're just calling enemy AD carry is chunked. Even if they have like a Lulu or whatever, they shield, they waste ult, whatever. You get a bunch of, of prio right there. And then you don't use the Nami ult in, in these fights. You wait with the Nami ult. Oh, I have you, a take on this. Come on, keep going, keep and going. And you just throw the Nami ult at the choke. You literally don't try to hit Nami ult. Yep. I feel like Nami ult is, is baiting these, these Western teams so hard where they see like Nami ult, they're like, our Lucian's going in. Cast the Nami ult. And they just try to throw everything at the guy. Where it's let, like, let, let me get this. Because here's the thing. Sure. I actually had a mini rant like this on exactly this topic, Tom. Because you know what? Actually, obviously, I know I know about the way my bread spotted me. I stay where the things I know about the game in my wheelhouse. But you know what? Just like I've ventured opinions in the past on the pike, people might not know this. I have played thousands of games of Nami. That's one of the few champions <laughs> I've actually played loads of games of, right? And here's okay. the thing, Tom. That is so insane that I was watching pro players do that. That is like bronze like first time Nami level shit where you use the ult to engage or you use it to like on the first guy like I'm not talking like the first guy's just like in front of you so you just ult him only like what are you doing literally the number one tool of that is it's the one of the best disengages in the whole game you never save it to disengage Perfect. in these fights though they've never ever yes. been using this ever as a disengage by the way it would be amazing in some of these fights like a dragon and shit secondly like you say especially when you have these comps where you have like the fucking mage mid lane and you want them to come into a fucking chalk save it for that for fuck's sake and then thirdly if you're just gambling with it don't use it it's one of those ones you use when other people are like stationary they're caught there's three people you want to do obviously you want to hit loads of people with it and have a massive impact they're all just firing it dom dude they fire the nami ult like a talia fires the wall at the beginning of a fight they just throw it out there and then just start fighting it, and i'm like bro this is one of the most powerful tools you have this is uh, what I was what I was uh, gonna compare it to because I, I thought we were going, gonna go into the Lucian Nami rant. Like when I had the show planned out in my head, I was like, we're okay. probably going to the Lucian Nami rant when we hit Fnatic because that was like the super egregious ones. No, no, but we've triggered it anyway, so let's go. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So we already triggered it. So, 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 so we're in the mix. So the dynamic there is that you have Lucian calling with E, which becomes like insane poke, and then like. What what do you need when you have like any type of poke? You need disengage. That's the other side of the things because yeah. when you poke them, like the counter to poke is to engage on the person that's fucking poking you. But then you have Nami ult, and then you obviously have Lucian dash, and he's pretty mobile yeah. himself. And that is like what you're supposed to be doing. If you want an example of how to use Lucian Nami, look at JDG versus Top Esports Game One, the game where like they were losing in lane to the Draven. Look at how they're able to use that combo, and look at the way that Missing uses the Nami ult. He just throws it at a choke. Like, it, it, it's so beat into him by his coaches that he should be throwing at a choke that, like, e that in situations, even if it's not going to hit anyone, he will always fire it at the choke because just the, the ability to prevent people from walking through it for that amount of time, just yeah. the fact that they have to walk away from the choke will give you so much time to engage on the other people that are split. So... Man, this Lucian Nami thing, like, they just don't play it well. They don't yeah, you can also zone, like you're saying. You can absolutely zone a fight out completely, of course. I mean, that's the thing is, like, the, 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 the Nami wave is literally perfect. Look at all those entrances to Dragon. Like, look at the, even the it's bottom It's about the exact entrance. size of the wave. It is yeah. literally just yes. perfect size yes. for every single one. It's like the guy that invented the game is like, hmm, how big should we make Nami ult? And he just, like, measured the fucking, like, pieces of terrain. He's like, yep, that's, that's the width of Nami ult right there.
and I, I can't see them keep on throwing it mid. Don't use the Nami ult mid ever. Like I would be like, never, like if I was a coach, never use it mid. By the way, here's the, here's the, here's the follow-up rule to that, which I agree to. If I ever see you just throw it randomly mid, like 45 seconds before I drag it, like you're just out the team. Like you can't, you're not allowed <laughs> to ever play an army again. Like, what are you doing? Like that's, that's also mental, mate. Oh, know. it's, it's so, it's so <laughs> tough to watch because I feel like the players are good, but it's yeah, just, yeah. The, the players that are playing Nami are just not Nami players. Like, think about the Nami. No, exactly. Like, Kaiser. I was looking this up, dude. I actually genuinely checked before this episode. Have people, like, like I knew Trimby had played a couple of games, but, like, they've almost never played the champion. Like, dude, he's played it, like, nine times or something. Like, this is a really smart player, by the way. I consider him actually quite a cerebral support. Like, these mm -hmm. guys, these are some of the best supports we're talking about. Like, they're in all of Europe. Like, we're talking about Hillerside. We're talking about yeah. fucking... They, but that's the thing. So, they're just not, all... they're not, they're not, their brain isn't tuned into the champion, though, like I say. Trimby is like the only one that I would be like, you know, he's more inclined towards the enchanters. I think he's just better at them than the rest. Yes. But if you think about all the great supports in Europe, they're almost all engaged players. They are. You look at Kaiser, yeah. you look at Mickey X, you, you look at, at, at Hillisong, they're all just really good on the engaged champions. So they're just looking for like picks. Like their mind is like, it's just oh, how like support works in Europe. I mean, if people don't know, that's how even Mithy started. He was a fresh player. That's what, that's what yep. I was an Alistair player. It's all about just getting a pick, like you say. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, when I'm watching this, I'm just like, dude, I feel like you yeah. could just, I, 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 it's just so upsetting to me because I feel like there is the example of what to do with it, like right there. Like yes. Ruler plays so much of it. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, it was banned eventually, but all the games before it was banned, just look at those games. Look at how Ruler and Lehens are playing it. Look at Jackie Love and Mark when, when they play it. Look at Viper and, and, and Mako. Just look at the other people playing it. It's right there. They will teach you how to do it because they're practiced yes. on it. How do we not know that? Like, I don't, I shouldn't know that if you, like, I, I mean, if I know that, you guys should definitely know that. So I feel like maybe it's choking. Maybe it's just the players being like, yeah, I know that. But like, there's always exceptions to the rule. It's like, as a jungler, right? If somebody says, we're playing strong side bot this game, it doesn't literally mean you can never go top. Like, you can go oh, top no. if you think you're going to get a free kill and, and, and be able to snowball the game. I understand that you can't be super limited in your mindset, but the amount of times that they were going for these picks... Well, it's to a degree where I do not believe that they actually have like the the like intrinsic understanding of what they should be doing with these two champions. And then like just everything else, like the way that they go for the 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 picks and stuff, it just doesn't look like they they really have it down to, to like the degree where you're like, oh, this is a Lushinami team. It just seems like they're playing it because other people play it, but they didn't like it's like they they saw the drafts that other teams had, but they never watched the games. That's how it looks to me. The other thing I would also say these Western players do with the Nami, especially, dude, is it's like it reminds me of a classic mistake that actually happens in professional Counter-Strike, which is sometimes you have players, if they're not veterans, where they just, like, use the grenades too early in the round, basically. And the reason you do that, right, is because when you play in matchmaking, you're on your own and you're having a solo experience, you don't want to have that feeling of, like, oh, I died and I had, like, grenades I could have used. Like, you want to be like, oh, I want to get them out and then I want to have, like, a fight as well. It's like a feeling like you're being efficient with what you've bought. Because obviously in Counter-Strike, like, the, it takes money from your investment entry etc when you buy the items right that's what i think these guys are doing i think the reason they throw the ult instantly is they're so scared that like the fight happens and they forget to ult or something it's like you idiot it's literally the opposite this is one of those champions a bit like old school oriana in a normal 5v5 team fight you're purposely holding that ult because it's the whole mechanism of what you're going to do in the fight like you actually you're the reason you're not going to forget to do it mate is you that's all i want you thinking about most of the time that you're just going to be considering when's the best moment to throw this ult because if you do it well it's going to be amazing but the joke is like we said if you go and watch all 
all the Western armies in all these games, you'll never know what we're talking about now because they never ever do that. It's just at the beginning they throw it, it misses everyone, well, throw, or, or it, it bumps one guy, and then the. And there's the other thing, dude. They'll also throw it on disengages that don't even disengage us, and it makes one guy bump and they still catch you and kill you. It's like, why are you throwing that up then? Like, it's not, it's not magic, you know? It only, it only bumps the person it hits. <laughs> the amount of Nami ults I saw mid lane, specifically in the Fnatic series, it was blowing my mind. Why are you throwing it mid? Mid is like one of the only places on the map where Nami ult can be easily like walked yeah. away from. Like it's one of the only locations yeah. on the map where you, where you just can avoid it by walking to the top or the bottom of, of the wave. So for me, man, I, I was super triggered watching these Lucian Namis. It's just, it's just not it. I, no, I, I no. want to talk to some of these guys. I want to just slap some fucking sense into them. And you know what it is? Oh, you know and here's funny? the other thing as well, dude. I don't understand if it was like, you know, like the whole Gwen situation at MSI, where it's like you either played Gwen, spoiler, that just means you had a chance to win, or you just had to come up with like theories of like, maybe this counters it. I think I play this. Vladimir, right? maybe. This is worse, dude, because at least now you can just handshake the bot lane. Like they can have like fucking Zeri, and you can have the Zimmer or whatever. Like, you don't, you don't have to pick this Lucian Army bot lane. Like, I feel like you're forcing this, guys. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll say to, to Mad Lions, I think that they have an advantage over some of the other teams because they actually seem to play all the meta champions. So they'll, even though their, their okay. Lushinami is not great, they'll play the Sivir, they'll play the Zeri, and, which is like the handshake, right? And then the, the counter to the handshake is if you have a Draven player. That's yes. like the key. You have Draven, that layers it on top because you don't want to be playing like Sivir Yumi or some shit into Draven Nautilus with like an, an early pressure jungler like a Poppy or a Trundle because then they're just going to come bottom they're going to explode the whole fucking game so Mad Lions is going to get a Draven ban probably the entire playoffs oh, like sure, Fnatic, yes. Fnatic was banning it versus XL and Patrick is like not the same Draven player as Unforgiven Unforgiven was the one that was having all those Draven games during yeah, the split yeah. where you look at the gold and it would be like 19,000 gold to 1,000 gold. The guy actually has not left base yet. He has a 16,000 gold advantage and he would just like auto the fucking 80 carry one time and explode him. He's never going to get get gonna get Draven. So that means the enemy team has to ban Draven every single game, yep. which means that then you should be able to get a, an ideal situation because you're already able to predict the draft to such a high degree. Like we saw also like we saw Fnatic banning Callista, right? And that's another pick that he can play. So he can play all five of the 80 carries that are really prevalent in the meta right now. Draven, Callista, Lucian with Nami, Zeri, Sivir. Those are the five. If you can play all five, that's like the fucking infinity gauntlet of bot lane right now. And almost no one worldwide is actually able to play all of them proficiently for their region. I mean, obviously, if you put these guys into like Ruler or something, like he's probably just going to dick them and they're not going to be like the Draven players anymore. But for the region, for the context of LEC, yeah, yeah. he actually has all of, he has like the, the biggest toolbox. I agree. Um, to go into these drafts with. So if, like I said, just... I, my problem was just I wouldn't have put him on the fucking Lucian in game five, man. I think he just... You have to remember people to are an experience. Yep. Like, unless he asked for it, like that's different. If he was like, give me it, but yeah, then. But if it's like one of those ones that's like, look, would I can't play this? Like, nah, I wouldn't have done that, man. That would, that's not the move for me. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, I think a lot of it comes down to like the fact that they, they were doing well with it early in the season or like they're winning the games with it early in the series. So maybe they thought like, okay, well, if we go back to that same type of draft and... If you go purely theoretically, it is solid there. Like, yeah, yeah it's not, I agree. It's not great into Caitlyn Lux and Lane. Like, you should lose Lane, but that's not even the point of Lucianami. Yeah, yeah. The whole point of Lucianami is that you you hit one item and then you just they can't do anything to you because like think about the only disengage that that Caitlyn Lux have when they start holding mid lane at like fifteen minutes. All they can do is Lux bind, but you have cleanse. So if you're a good Lucianami player, that means you're just getting fucking flashes, Gale. But like, you're just fucking destroying them once you get to that point of the game. 
And then obviously it was harder for them to get to that point because they they literally were just the Lux Caitlyn were able to dry hump the turret the entire fucking game because of the fact that Mad Lions went for that egregious top dive where they all fucking died. That just opens up like a two minute window where Caitlyn Lux could just do whatever the fuck they want. They didn't even have to like pretend to to respect the enemy jungler. So I don't think it's the worst call in the world. I'm not like super against it, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely did not end up panning out so right, let me I set just... up the shit-eating sure. petty question that i have to ask because it is the brand of the show so sure. dom theoretically this must have been one of the all-time great upsets in western league of legends right because you had larson isn't even an all lec player you had four <laughs> first team all lec uh, players on mad lions mm -hmm. and the coaching staff of the split so logically and and what else lose, what mvp They've oh, and the MVP, player. yeah, sorry, this yes. was the MVP. Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. like, every factor says Mad Lions probably just 3-0 this series. So, what happened? Yeah, it was, well, I, I think that it just shows, I mean, it is what it is. Armut must be literally a fucking <laughs> iron player. He must be worse <laughs> than Thorin first-timing top lane there you go. in a fucking competitive match for this for this to occur because it, it is just insane to think about. Four out of the five best players, best coaching staff, and the most valuable player. Oh my god, Armut is so Should be a shit. slam dunk, come on. By the way, god. obviously, obviously Dom is joking. Like, he isn't actually that player and obviously those players. But with that said though, I will say mate, I'm obviously like, I'm like a designated Armut hater. That game five was like pawn to me, mate. It was just him walking around like the fucking jungle all game long as Renekton doing nothing because he was behind from that sh shit time that they did. Well, you know, like, well, he's, he's never like, done he's... anything in this game. He's just doing nothing. I mean, he was he was ahead. Like they were able to then like, I mean, he was the one that actually had agency. He was actually really strong. In the oh, game, he had all the kills. Then, yeah. <laughs> but then at the end of the day, it's like you're playing Renekton into fucking Kate Lux. Nar. Yeah. Good luck, man. Good, good luck. You can't walk through anywhere. Like you have to try to go for these these crazy flanks. Dude, I want to ask about that actually, because obviously we're seeing tons of Renekton dra drafts as well. Here's the question I have though, Dom. Right? I feel like I feel like I'm back in time, like eight years ago, and people are just drafting for lane or something. Because some of these Renekton drafts they're doing, Dom, it's like how is he ever going to get into these people in a team fight? It's just going to get evaporated immediately. Like it's not the old school, you know. Like there's a million, there's so many abilities now. Like, you don't you don't survive ten seconds in a fight as Renekton, mate. Yeah, you can't frontline I mean, on that shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it's it's weird, right? Because it's another thing where I just feel like they're drafting because Asian players are drafting the Renekton. They look at the Renekton, they're like, oh wait, Renekton is actually good, and then they try it out in scrims, and in lane the Renekton is doing some some work. So they're like, okay, this is not bad, but they just don't have the proficiency to play Renekton. Like part of the the most crucial parts of Renekton are understanding how to flank, like. You, you can get engaged on really easily on the flank. Like, you don't have a million dashes. You're not a super mobile champion like uh, like a Nar, for example, that can, like, you know, proc his hyper, be running at 10,000 movement speed. You actually have to be, like, smart about which angles you take. And it just doesn't seem like Western teams like flanking. Like, generally, like, they'll, they'll have one person kind of off the flank. But when you look at the setups, watch JDG. It's like every member is almost completely isolated. Like, maybe the Lucianami will be together, but then there'll be, like, someone over here, another guy in a bush, like, another guy wrapping around. And the way that they get on their flanks is, like, they're really careful with it. You know, like, they'll, like, walk into a bush, they'll, like, drop, drop a pink ward, like, back off. Then they'll, like, pop their red sweeper, like, look a little bit. They're, like, really trying to, like, make sure they get onto a flank safely. And it feels like Western teams just don't like that. When you look at a lot of the setups um, for, for Matt, it's, like, they will kind of start on a flank, but then they like will show themselves. So then they won't even really have the advantage of being on a flank anyway, because they just get forced off of it. I just think that, that in order to actually make Renekton work, you need to be extremely proficient at having that go, go button being like, okay, Renekton is in position. 
Now, like, other people are going, and then the Renekton comes in from the side and just, like, one-shots the Eddie carry because the peel is going on someone else. You know, like, the the, the Lux traps, or the, the Lux binding and the Caitlyn traps are trying to peel the front part of the fight, and then the Renekton comes from the back, and it's like, oh, shit, he just one-shot the Eddie carry. So, yeah, I, I think that the players don't play a, a really good Renekton, um, and the way that they set up fights with Renekton are just not great. Like, you can't play Renekton like you have an Orin where you just put it in front of the team, yes. and you're like, all right, Cast yeah. the ulti. Like, it's not Dude, I feel like shit. people do think that, though. Like, I've even seen team fights with, where, like, people are, like, literally just letting the Renekton tank all the damage and they're just sort of, like, watching their... Like, they're, his own teammates are, like, watching their range. Like, I'm not sure if I want to go in yet. It's like, what do you mean? Yet? Like, he's going to be dead in four seconds? What are you... Like, <laughs> they're just, he's tanking all the ults the same. What are you talking about? I, don't, I feel like, yeah, that's what I can't handle. Because, again, to me, it's like, mate... That you can handshake top lane as well right now. You don't have to force this. One of you can be on, the other one can be an R or something. Like, you, you, there's a whole bunch of picks right now that you can have. You can even have the fucking Sejuani top as well. There's all sorts of picks you can do now, mate. You do but, not have to force this. All I'm saying is if JDG was playing that comp that Mad Lions had in game five, I think they would win. Oh, they would every destroy that game, mate. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because, because when you look them. at the backliner, that backline is so vulnerable, right? They have Orianna, Caitlyn, and Lux. And what do they have? They have Silas that has a gnarled fucking broken by the way like a lot of people refuse yeah, yeah. to leave silas up if nar is in the game like that is just like one of the rules so like if you pick nar on three let's say you're like red side you pick nar on three and then you have the four or five bands you normally are banning silas even if the silas has a bad lane like let's say you have a zero one of these champions that's supposed to dick a silas in lane the mentality in the east is that nothing dicks a silas in lane because he can just go door and shield and farm it out yep. and when he gets to the team fights he's, he's going to be strong anyway if you have a Wukong that can just flash ulti, you have a Renekton that can flank, and then a Silas with Gnarled, it's so hard to play, like, triple squishy backliner into that shit. Like, normally oh, you, can't you need... skip. Yeah, you're gonna be stuck, huh? You're just gonna get wrecked. Yeah, you need you need Lulu. You need a top laner that can, like, really, really front line. You need a Sejuani or some shit. You need, like, massive peel on the team, and they just don't have it there. So I feel like that it can work. I don't think Mad Lions got out drafted. It's just that, in reality, like, they are not that team. Like, they're just not that guy. Oh, yeah. they're, they are, like... Kind, they're pretty good at early game generally they're one of the the better teams that snowballing advantages in europe but they don't have that like team fight precision where they just know instinctively when they get into one of those situations when they can go in they're still like feeling it out when they get there like all right i'm on the flank can we go uh i don't know there's caitlin traps here oh shit like oh they saw me okay i'm backing off i guess give the dragon they're that type of team they're not like the we know exactly how to set these fights up yet so so they're almost there you know <laughs> A little bit of practice. Maybe they can review these games and do better at it next time. But hey, look, they made worlds anyway. So congratulations to them. Well, so important to talk about G2 Misfits. Now, the last thing I have to say on the Rogue one is just that, like, I also think the game five locks that you saw from Trimby, like, that's why his champion pool is always a factor if you're Rogue. Because, like, mate, that was, the amount of damage that was doing was mental. At one point in time, they had, like, more damage than the entire enemy team. And you could see if he basically just did the lock salt into a choke and it hit someone, they'd just be, like, 25% of their health immediately. Like, he couldn't ever engage for an objective, basically. Like, it's a pretty nice tool to have in your back pocket. Not yep. bad. Right, let's Agreed. do it then. Let's talk about G2 Misfits. I have to say, all of these series, what's funny is Fnatic XL is the only one that I actually expected to go the way it went. Like, the sad thing was, Rogue Mad Lions, I actually hoped, by the way, whoever won that just dominantly beat the other team. Like, everything looked super coherent and therefore we had sort of like a true contender to play against G2. But even then, right, as much as everyone else I noticed in the whole scene is like, no, no, it's fine. G2 still far and away the best. They're going to win. Like, dude, this actual series took a little bit of my confidence from G2 away. Like, there were parts that looked really good. 
But I thought Misfits, despite the fact, like, on paper, it's just a three, what Misfits was way more in this series than people give him credit for, I feel like, dude. And I feel like if they, I think them, they misplayed some of the games. I think this could have been a game five, for example. Like, I think G2 opened the door a few times. Like, there was moments where they looked awesome. There's moments where they looked really shaky to me. Yeah, there was definitely a, a lot of weird moments. I mean, I think you had this the, the same problem that you had the other series where the Lucian Nami game, like we just talked about, did not look good at all. It looked like they had no clue what the fuck they were doing in, in that game for G2. So when you look at that draft where they have like the TF and then they have the tank top and then they have, you know, like the Vi jungle, you're like, oh man, this Lucian Nami actually has... <laughs> you, you have to have a, a like good Lucian Nami because if they're behind, your team is fucking shit. You have no damage, right? So that, that game w was really weird. Um, and then game three, I thought Yankos just got caught way too much. Oh, it was like, yeah. he kept on just like doing really weird things. There was that fight in game three where he went like over that wall towards like mid tier one, which is like no man's land. Like you are taught as a pro player, never fucking go into that choke. That is the choke of death. Like if you try to commit there and the tier one turret is up, you're instantly going to die. He gets caught. You know, the Tom Kench has to ult him and then suddenly the Skarner just jumps his Kalista. And, you know, the whole reason that you have the, the Tom Kench in this game is not because it's a great pick with Kalista. It's because it specifically counters the Skarner that Zanzaro um, was forced onto in the game. So when I was watching this game, I thought uh, Yankos had a lot of like uncharacteristic mistakes and, you know, Caps had to go into God mode and, and carry a couple of these fights. Um, but that being said, the reason why I don't hold this against G2 too much is because it felt like they actually gave Misfits everything they wanted, which you can make a, a whole like point on that where it's, Oh, is that good drafting? I mean, you're bot banning out the poppy trundle and you're giving them literally the fucking tank top that they want. Plus like a, a jungler for Zanzara that, that, that works for him. So a tank likes a Juani or Skarner, um, video is getting every pick he wants. And like the enemy team is just getting, you know, uh, an enchanter bot lane, whatever you can make the argument that that is a, a bad draft, but misfits is so much worse if you actually deny them from this. So, they beat Misfits at Misfits best. So, I mean, that's like part of the reason why I'm not going to hold it against G2 too much. I think they had like counter strategies yeah. to it. Yeah, that's fine. But in reality, I think that in when they play against teams that are better, they're going to be more precise <coughs> with their bans. Like, for example, their next match is against Rogue. Rogue played a ton of Jarvan. I assume that they're not going to be giving free Jarvan picks unless the game is like terrible for Jarvan. You know, like unless it's a, oh, you have Zeri plus Ari plus like all these mobility champions out of everywhere and they have like a good jungle match if they have like a poppy or something. Then I think that um, maybe you'll see them opening some of Rogue's key champions. But for Misfits, Misfits really just got everything they wanted. The thing is, as well, I have to say, if anyone thinks we were, like, hating on Misfits, well, and again, we have another split where we're saying, like, they probably can't win any best of fives, they're not going to win these best of fives, you can get, draft them, you can just crush them before the game even begins. Like, this this series, actually, on the Misfits side is why they could never win. Because, as you say, they were, they were served up exactly the formula that they got all those wins with and they got into the upper bracket with. And, mate, this is one of those moments where, I know this will sound counterintuitive, because, on the one hand, if you're the coach and staff of the split... Part of it should be, like, you teach the players. But, like, mate, the, the the coaching staff seem to do a great job in the draft. Sometimes those players, I'm not joking, dude, I don't think they actually do know that this is the formula. Like, they would even have, be ahead and have agency in games, and they would just continually force, like, small skirmishes. Like, what the fuck? Like, what? just scale. Like, you're in, a, you're in a better position. Like, it's like they were just giving back any advantage they had, I felt like. 
Yeah, and then I, I also just think that there's experience that comes into play with it. Like, they're not, they don't have players that have played a lot of best of fives. Like, who's the most experienced player on the team? It's like Neon, I guess, at oh, this it point. Is. Yeah, logically. Yeah. Yeah. Must be. I mean, they haven't played a lot of best of fives, and you could just tell that there was crucial moments where the veteran, where you could see the, the, the leadership of G2, the veteran quality of G2. So, specifically in that game three, there was that situation where Caps kind of got caught at baron and they were able yes. to actually get onto him yep. without the tom kenchult and they get baron and soul is up for g2 and g2 made that shot call sit in this line brush like they're gonna have to face check us they're running across the map sprinting to the soul because they don't want to give it up they get the the fight in line brush they kill three people and suddenly they just end the game so those are the moments where it's like misfits was almost there but i mean yes. that being said this is a much better performance than anything they did in spring even though they won a game versus versus rogue in spring that was like the game where Larson pulled out uh, the the Kaisa mid, which it just didn't look like a Larson shame. It's, like, it's Larson Kaisa mid. Like you, you kind of know what you're getting into when when you say those types of things. Like if Larson pulls out the Kaisa mid, if he pulls out the fucking the first like, time, it's not going to be great. Aurelia, you know? like exactly. you know what champions Larson is just going to fucking Gosh. be useless on. So that that game, I didn't really take that much away from. That was like a very commanding rogue three one where this one they actually were battling back at points they were outplaying g2 in specific situations so i mean sure that was coming off g2 mistakes but before they weren't even capitalizing on mistakes so you see a little bit of progression from misfits I, I think that they definitely overperformed my expectations in this best of five like i'll give you a random moment when i do think they had like some weird brain farts dude it was that moment i was it in game two i'm thinking of it's the one where basically they just like have some weird fucking skirmish where like one of them gets caught on the red side or on blue side of the map where for misfits on their red buff and after the first person dies like zanzara and vethio just stay around and then zanzara dies like the fuck when like all g2 was like invading them like what just run away when the first guy's dying like you don't have to commit for the second death as well like because generally i thought this was a really weird series actually for zanzara here's what's funny i will actually say first of all i actually think generally over the series he played better than i'd expect true he got his picks but even so he had a couple of games where he's doing a good job the first game i don't even blame him that much mate they, the whole g2 team just look at like they tracked his movements everywhere they did a really fucking good job he could he could never well, even get a gank off if he came for a gank, it was so telegraphed it never got off basically yeah exactly that for me i, th I thought that was massive and i will i will blame him for that game like even though he burned his flash like level one he doesn't get a good start or whatever that gank that he went for was so incredibly int in mid lane. That was just... That, that was like a solo crazy. key flip. It's like, I don't give a flip fuck about this game. I'll just try but and get it. It's not even a flip. It's like, it's like, it's like a fucking 595 flip where you're the 5%. It's like that okay. type of flip where you're like, you are never winning this. This is just a pure fucking rundown. Because he's... So if you think about his pathing, right? For those that don't remember the game, this is where he started on red buff and G2 went for that invade and they forced Vi off the red buff and they got his Raptors. And Yankos was really ahead off that. Vi is forced to flash. So this is a no flash Vi. He knows that he's invaded. So he knows that they probably have wards in the top side of his jungle. You know how, oh. how long wards last for as a jungler. So he goes there, right? And he's playing Vi, right? So Vi's identity as a champion is you're trying to hit level six. Like that is your biggest power spike. At level six, then you can ult the RE and you might be able to kill it. Um, that is what you're looking for when you play that champion. You play Vi versus high mobility champions so that you can lock it down. Level six power spike. He goes bot side. He knows he has no flash. He takes his three camps. And then instead of just going to his Krugs or going to Crab, I mean, literally just doing, if you want to know what Vi should do, even though Yankos didn't play a great Vi game. If you look at Yankos' pathing in game two, it was literally exactly what Zanzara should have done in game one. It was the response right. that he should have done in game one when he got um, invaded. And then he goes through vision. And then he goes for a Q Vi gank, a no flash Q Vi gank 
with a Silas, they don't have Ignite, into a fucking Ari that has Flash. Like, even if you hit the full combo, you don't kill him. Ari flashes back, and then you're just completely sold out because Vi's cooldown at uh, level fuck. one. He just stood in lane. It's like, hello. It's 12-second cooldown on your only movement ability. You are just fucking dead if you go for that every single time. So that gank would, like, triggered me super hard. I was like, damn, bro, like, you can't be doing that. And it just looked like after that, they were just beat all over the map. I mean, they had that um, fight top where they weren't expecting Caps to be able to rotate. Yeah. And then Caps jumps on with, with the Nocturne, with the um, Zidwadi as well. It's just a straight 3v2. They lose that. I mean... That was just all player diff. I think that their comp was actually good in game one, but they just, they completely sprinted. Zonzor completely ruined that game with that gank level three. Yeah, by the way, obviously the big moment for Zanzara in the series was that like Baron Steel or whatever. Like, mate, that's one area I have to ask about G2. Because here's the problem. They're supposed to be the best of the Western teams. That's like the most amateurish pro player Baron play you'll ever see. You sit yeah. there trying to force it down. They spot you with vision. You get it to 2k health and then just back off and let the fucking jungle come in. Like, what? What? What is this? Like, dude, that would be like my whole VOD review. Like, what? The, like, we have, we fundamentally have got something wrong with our team and that's the shot call. What? Because I'm getting sick and tired of this, Tom. I'm going to make a whole video probably separate on it. Like, what? Just the Baron alone. Why do the teams that do not have to take it? Just, the, it's like the second it hits a certain health, they can't stop. They must then be the one who finishes it. Like, bro, you have, mm -hmm. you want them to come in when it's on 4k and waste their time trying to fucking smite it and then you just win the fight. Like, remember, that was the game where they were up loads of kills. Like, you, yep. you, you can't, you can't do anything wrong here. Except Except force a Baron that they can take. Like, I don't get why people make that decision. I mean, I, I think that they just think that they're strong enough that the enemy jungler can't come in, and they're really bad at, at judging the exact HP where the Baron becomes in threat. So a lot of times now, mid laners will take Spellbook. So when the enemy mid laner has Spellbook, then they can have two smites. So you can't just stop it at 2k anymore because the enemy team can combo it at 2k. So I feel like they're really poor at, at reading the situations, like what health they should turn. They'll be like, yeah, just lower it to 2k and then turn. And then they won't actually lower it to 2k. It'll be 1600. It's like, oh shit, they have double smite. And then because they don't want to do the flip, they all like back off the Baron. They pull the BDS where they're like, shit, we don't want to yep. do the flip. But it's like, well, at that point, you already fucked yourself. So you have to do the flip. Like, you literally have already made the mistake. So, so you are forced to then flip it. Like you might as well try to smite it, but it just feels like they're, they're never in the right mindset. So I don't know. I feel like this is one of the main reasons that the West has longer games. I mean, it's not even that the West has longer games based off game time, because I, like if you just do no, that, if you're ahead, you don't end the game. Basically, the difference is like a top Asian yes. team. You just do that correctly. By the way, you wouldn't even need the Baron. You could just obviously kill the team fight and you'd have won the whole game. The game would be over. Yeah. It's yeah, that they, they always miss execute the Baron. So people will always be like, yes. but the game time isn't that much different because they'll look at like the game, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you watched the JDG versus top series. That was a fucking banger series. I was like, dude, if you were watching this right now and you only watch EU and you want to see one of the best series played, I think in the last five years, JDG versus top, like that yeah, might yeah, be for guy. me, the best series of all time. Like the, the amount of it's, it's like there's swings in the game, but the way that the teams create the advantages to be able to, to make the swing happen, the way that they play around the objectives, the way they, they use their, their vision for, for team fights. That is why those games extend when, a Western game extends, it's because the team that's winning doesn't know how to like properly execute the end of the game. They'll fuck up a Baron or they'll lose too many dragons in the early game. Then they won't have soul. They'll have too many melee champions on their team. So they can't see easily. So they don't know how to like get themselves in the position where they actually break the base. These are the things that, that, that I, I get pretty triggered at when I watch um, oh. NA and EU, because I feel like this stuff, <laughs> there's, there's just, there's there's just the content out there, man. Like you can just watch other yeah, teams yeah. do it and then reverse engineer what the other team did and learn how to how to do it as a team. And I just feel like 
it gets to the point where teams are scrimming all the time because they want to like get their lane phase. They want to understand their lane phases. They want to get the early game, but you can't really scrim late game situations that well because so many games and scrims don't go to like that 30, 40 minute mark. So that's where I feel like just watch more games. Like if you just watch more games, you can see other teams do it and it'll click. You don't even have to get to that point where you, you figure out all the details to get to get there. You can understand just by watching them what the player's intentions are, how they're they're going to, to take a situation. So, I mean, the, the content is, is, is literally out there. I just, I want to see teams make better decisions around objectives because I think that you can really just reverse engineer what other teams do and you can have it down to a science based off that. Like obviously, we'll get to this when we get to the XL Fanatic series, but like XL was in my mind the whole time you were saying that whole rant as well, mate. Because if I had to say in general, one of the biggest gaps between the West and the East, it's being able to end the game. In the, in the, in the West, mate... People are so fucking clueless. Like their their decision making is so whack. So we'll get to that later because obviously like that fucking series melded the shit out of me. But on this one, okay, to wrap up the G two topic, um, my main question would just be this. So let's just look to the G two Rogue series already, right? I will say. I assume everyone, I'm pretty sure, I don't think anyone is going to pick Rogue to win this. I think everyone has G2 because even just historically, G2 was always the fucking, it's clearly the one that like, the. I mean, they say it themselves, like the Rogue players have some sort of mental block against Caps and Yankos slash the G2 name, it seems like. And I'd imagine that will probably continue, it seems like it did generally. So here's the thing I would ask you initially when we set this up. Are you generally going G2 on this one? And if you are, can we initially shade in like what edges or what chances do Rogue have before we hit all the like strong points of G2? So do you have G2 as the one that's going to win? Uh, I have G2 as the one that's going to win, um, but mainly just because I, I I just don't believe in Rogue. You know, it's not like, like there was anything that G2 showed me where I'm like, this is their like distinct advantage in the games. I just think that Rogue is not playing at a super high level themselves, and Rogue just doesn't seem like the team that will ever clutch out a series where yes. they like shouldn't win. So it's basically the same vibe as to why I had Fnatic beat in XL in exactly same. the way they did in that series. Yeah, yeah. on exactly. paper, everything tells me XL could could win, but I sort of knew. I even told my Discord after game four they're not winning this. Like, come yeah. on, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I said the same thing, and that's the thing about predictions is you can't go pure off like what should no, happen. Of like, look at Jensen. Jensen had great reasoning for why Mad should beat Rogue and why, like, yeah, Fnatic did. should just yep. lose. And Exo, Exo literally should never have been able to beat Fnatic. Oh, no. or, or should never have been able to lose to Fanatic. Sorry, yeah, you lose. Yeah, you should have 3 0 yes. them, yeah. Yeah, they should have 3 0 them. If you look at the games, everything that Exo does super well, like their, their precise early games, the way that they know how to play out the early game fights, that's what Fnatic does the worst. Fnatic can never do th those things well. They mis-execute all over the place. They literally look like five solo queue players without cons. They look like five really good solo queue players that are not playing with comms at all. So XL should get every single advantage in the, in those games. But you just look at the plates. You're like, ah, I don't know if they have it in them. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where you just don't believe in the players. And I've said this before. I'm never going to believe in rogue until I win a championship. Like call me, call me a hater all you want, unless they have like some, they play a split with like ridiculous, clean, ridiculously clean yes. macro where I'm like, oh my God, they're so much better than everyone else. Unless they're like Gen G compared to like T1 and LCK this year, where it's like, they just look so many levels above the other teams that it's almost inconceivable that like even choking or player skill will even come into it. Just the team practices, the way that they play the game is so much, so much higher than everyone else that they're just going to win by that 
themselves unless rogue has a split like that i'm never going to believe in them first like a team that's generally clutch here's the thing i definitely get you because i obviously have the same concern myself and i'll even say that is the one part i do think is legit about people who didn't ever believe in rogue right i do think if you look at like just the raw regular splits they've had they have earned status as like elite team contender that sort of thing but the problem is even in the splits dude where they were winning 12 13 games it would always be where you look on the schedule and it's like fucking hell they're winning eight nine games what these this is fucking insane all you do is you look on the schedule wherever the big marquee matches where it's like they're playing G2 on week 8 if they win this one they're for real that's the game they always lose even if they're only losing three games a split they always lose that game which means that even in the play, even in the regular split you have that sort of reservation of like ah but if it's really if there's pressure though if it's a team they know can be and so then in the playoffs as well this is the other thing you can't I'm sorry they have yet to basically have that iconic series that proves they can be the champion. Like, people thought they had it last year, this last split because of the Fnatic one. But the problem is, because Fnatic themselves then tank, they basically have never recovered since. That doesn't really get to count as much, even if you go back. Remember, they thought last year in spring they had it when they beat G2 in that, like, fucking low bracket one. Turned out that G2 wasn't amazing. So, unfortunately, even though, yeah, I'm retconning some of this, like, we're talking about looking fairly through history. They've never had the big moment where it's like, like, here's the thing. You don't have to win the championship. Let's say they'd ever had like a big upper bracket final where they just 3 0 someone clean. That would at least give you like, oh, they could do this in a final though if they get together. Because they've never had that. I always feel like when the big moment comes, and this is going to be another one of them, I agree with you. Essentially, if you just have to pick based on like character, you have to go against Rogue. Until they show otherwise. If they can come and do it, then we can have, then maybe we all get baited into picking them for the final again. But right now, obviously G2 has to be favoured. I mean, even when I said there the flaws of G2. Yeah, though, like they had moments, they had halves of games that didn't look good, but then when they looked good, they would just crush you. They'd just kill you. And also, by the way, here's the difference in all the carry players in the LEC right now. The other carry players have games where they look nervy or in picks, they're not quite as caught. Dude, Caps looks like he is fucking in flow state right now. Like, he just roams whenever he wants and gets a kill with someone in the jungle, mate. It's, it's like, he, he is absolutely like the fucking, the apex predator of the LEC right now. And you can tell the other players on the other teams know this. Like, he's the one of the few fit players I actually think, like, puts fear in the other players when they see the fucking nameplate or something, you know. Because he's back in form, mate. He's a monster. Yeah, he, he's, he's back in form and he's also just super clutch. Like... That's the thing about, about Caps is like whenever, I mean, at least domestically, whenever things, whenever shit hits the fan, he's always there just pulling out the big game. You know, I, it must be one of those things where I, I said this on stream. You must love to be Caps' teammate. Like imagine being like Flockhead or, or Targumus, you know, they can do whatever Bali. They just look mid and they're like, holy shit. Like my mid laner is fucking destroying them. Like it must be such a good feeling to play with that guy right now. So. I mean, he's really good. And then also Yankos is just the best jungler in LEC still. Like, even if he has bad games, even if he fucking sometimes messes up easy mechanical things, un like, I would take him over anyone else. Because the thing is, there's no one that doesn't make those those egregious errors Absolutely. right now in, yep. in LEC. Like, look at El Yoya. Like, El Yoya is really good. If I were to plan for the future, I would probably take El Yoya over Yankos because I think that in certain metas, he could potentially do more and he probably has much... Oh, it's like, more years like, to play and all yeah, that jazz. He yeah, has more years to play and, and all that stuff. But if you look right now, who would you rather have in the clutch moment? Oh, I'm taking Yankos every time. No, mate, what's funny is this reminds me, it's like we're back in spring playoffs again. The problem is... Everyone has issues at jungle right now. Yankos's floor is just higher. And the difference is, if you play a five-game series, he's going to have three good games. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. You can do that every time against any team right now. And also, the other problem I think they have, quite frankly, is the other teams that would, would have been able to threaten them 
all the other teams, the super teams, junglers just fucking fell apart. Like the joke is now for Yankos specifically to win the championship now probably involves beating Malrang once or maybe Malrang twice and then maybe play El Yoya once. That's it. That's it. And then he could just win the whole championship. These yeah. are all guys way less experienced than you, mate. You've got years on them every time a team you beat I mean, in. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, ironically, the jungler that I think that played the best this week outside of Yankos would be Razork. I think Razor probably was the best juggler this last week in terms yeah, of like yeah. his level of play, but I don't know if he'll actually play him. I mean, I think Fnatic, they, maybe they get shit together, but even in the games they win, man, it's all over the place. Like people are always in thing. I mean, I thought this was probably one of Upset's worst series I've ever seen him play, even though they ended up winning. Um, I felt like this is like, it's like the perks thing all over again, where it's like all the Upset haters are now going to feel just, they're going to feel like they really did something with all the flames. Like, oh, I knew he was shit the whole time. Like he he had a bad series, but it's I mean he had a bad series no, because I've got, of Falcon Shadami over yeah, yeah. Right, we'll get to that in a sec. Let's just finish the G2 Rogue thing though. Let's just stop that series. Like what are like mm -hmm. a, a few factors. Like I'll give you one that I already am thinking of immediately, right? What does it do to the draft, do you think, that as you saw in the G2 Misfits series, after game one, they just forced fucking Misfits to ban center because they, they, you could tell no one else was running that Yasuo center bot lane. And the problem is because it worked, people were scared to play against it. Do you think that will be a factor in this series? Um, I'm not sure because I feel like Tom Kench is not very good into Trimby's champion pool. I feel like that's good when you want to play a lot of engagers. But when you look at Trimby's champion pool, I feel like he's going to be the type of guy that can pull out. Yeah, all enchanters, the right? He can do the Lulu, whatever, Nami, locks, everything. Yeah. 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 So I'm not, I'm not super worried about, about that pick. Uh, the thing that I, I, I am worried about is the fact that Rogue is once again going to have to ban Draven a lot. So they're going to probably yep. have to ban um, Draven the entire series. Same way they did versus Unforgiven. It seems like Flocka just has a, a good enough Draven that people just don't want to play against it. Um, and then I think that Jungle can get pinched. I think that, right, I mean, what did we see? What did we see Morong on? Did he play anything besides for Jarvan? I felt like he played Jarvan every single game. I don't know if he played anything. Like, maybe he played a Trundle game in there. There was, like, a random Poppy game that I'm missing. But he played a lot of fucking Jarvan. Okay, wait, let me see. Game one, Jarvan. It was four Jarvans and one Trundle. Ah, uh, he played one Trundle. Okay. I mean... My my point is, I think they that lost this the game. is going to be an issue that, because it was into Poppy. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I think that this could be an issue. Is that Yankos can play the Jarvan? They could like first pick the Jarvan away, and I think that the Yankos just has a, a bigger champion pool. I mean, the Pantheon is something that he played a little bit of. He's awesome. always been really yes. good at. He could potentially pull it out. They might be able to do like a Pantheon to Leah game. Um, he could play the Poppy, the Trundle, the Jarvan. Not sure if he'll play the Vibe, but then like if you get into some of these matchups where you know Trundle is down, Jarvan is down, and then. He, Yankos is playing Sejuani. I feel like that's going to be an advantage. I know there's Yankos Sejuani memes from like fucking. Oh, he'll be fine shit. now, of course. Yeah, I know. That's he'll that be the fucking that, best Sejuani. That's in so played out that meme in it. I know. No, here's yeah. the other thing. I also was thinking, by the way, so I want to ask you: Am I going too far on like the movie plot of like the the fucking anime? Like, I knew that you'd do that, so I did this. Like, here's the question: You know the way I said earlier in game one against Misfits, they just completely fucking tracked um, Zanzara, and he just could not get any ganks off. Do you think they had? Do you think this type of approach will work against Malrang? Because I was thinking the same thing, dude. I was thinking, dude, this is another guy who wants to try like ridiculous early game ganks, and he'll try some mega question ones. If you track him properly, like he could be in deep shit early. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Malrang could could just end the entire fucking series.
I, I think that he could just end the entire series because it's not only just as like, like he's just a, such a fucking weird player. Like Jarvan is one of the champions that doesn't have sustain until level three. And he just goes a pink ward level one every single game with Jarvan. Oh, that's the other thing, dude. That's the, I forgot to mention that earlier. That was what made it even more insane, by the way, that they fucked up that game five, Mad Lions. Because Jarvan not only was getting initially like wrecked or whatever, he was like, he bought a pink. He didn't even have the pots yep. at the beginning. So like, so holy so shit. So the idea you then like, like whatever, three minutes later are behind on all these, like, what have you guys done? Holy shit. Yeah, well, I mean. Explain as a jungler. Like if you start a pro game like that game, like, mate, you're just going to have no agency as the Jarvan, right? Yeah, I mean, you just have to base early and you're just going to be behind tempo until something happens on the map. And Jarvan's not the type of champion that you want to fall behind on, especially in a game like this, because you're playing against uh, Renekton, Silas, and Wukong, which are three kill lanes that are hard to gank, hard to even play against in team fights. And then the, like, yeah, you don't really have much support within your team. Like, you're kind of just there and your, like, backline is going to try to, like, front to back and hopefully your backline is going to be strong enough to, to carry the game. So that was extremely bad for Morong. So... I just think that these types of things will get exploited. You know, if he gets invaded, I don't know how he's yes. going to get back into the game. Basically, uh, basically, I agree with you on the jungle side. I think the jungle side goes heavily towards the G2 guys. I, you you hinted at it, but I actually think the only angle, if you're the guys from Rogue, that you could focus on it is your bot lane. Because that, as you say, Targamas' picks against most other bot lanes are causing problems. Trimby's the guy who's the counter mate. Like, I actually think the bot lane of Rogue, if they're set up properly, has a chance to, to win in this series. Because that's the thing. Even though all the Flackhead fans are going to go, why are they bringing it up again? He won the series. Because he wins when he's not the focal point, for fuck's sake. If you like, as Dom said, if you make a whole LPL comp that he has to carry the whole game, he's not going to do it. Like, that's not hitting, it's just not that sort of player. So, to me, it's like the, the rogue bot lane, if it is not molested, if it is allowed to get ahead early in the game or stay even, like, they, they're the what's they've been drafting, they, they can definitely carry some of these team fights. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you saw what, what happened when G2 tried to do like the playthrough bot lane strategy, Lucian Nami. Let's see how it look. it's like they got fucking smashed by Misfits, they got absolutely fucking wrecked in that game. So, yeah, that that's definitely the 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 weak part of G two. It's always been. I mean, people will try to to change it and be like, but like Flacken had this game where he popped off. And it's the problem is you can't reliably play through them. Yes, like that that is the issue. So I feel the same way about G two as as I did. It's always just been a Capsianco's team. I don't think the balling is bad players, but they are rookies, and I don't expect them to yeah. win many lanes. Like I don't I don't think that they're going to to win lane against Trimby and, and Comp at a degree that's going to give them an advantage in the series. And I just think that the ball, the, um, the jungle issue is just like, yeah. And the, the jungle issue is just too much for rogue to overcome here. Fun fact, the way that, uh, Marong learned to buy less pinks is because rat was on my stream, spent a full game counting how many pinks he bought, told me it. I tweeted it out and Odo saw my tweet. I had Odo on one of the, the live views, uh, recently, or uh, the co-stream. I had him on, on an NA co-stream. We were like, yo, how did, how did Marong stop, stop buying so many pinks? Like what happened? And apparently Odo just saw the tweet and was like, yo, Marong, you're, you're actually spending 2000 gold a game. So honestly, I take oh, credit for the them beating coach. Mad Lions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not really a secret coach. It's Rat, but Rat gave me the information. All so right, I got sure. to publicly okay. state it, you know, okay. so that's just how it works. You know, it doesn't matter who actually came up with the information. As long as you have the, you're the person that first put it on social media, you get the credit. Exactly. Sort of like basically how Loco Doko's coaching career used to book back in TSM. You know, the Korean guy <laughs> tells him something, but he was the one who told TSM. So credit where credit's on every year. I'm just fucking him. That's half true though. That is half true.
Obviously, we're right in smack bang in the middle of the LEC playoffs. All sorts of crazy games. World spots at risk for some of the teams. Some teams are going for championships. Some are looking for their first championship. So, of course, I've got a bet for you. Now, look, you don't have to only bet on the LEC. Like, right now, not only do they have all the other major regions, but if you look, they've got all the EU Masters games, in case you want to bet on those, if you like to watch Tier 2 and Tier 3 in EU. But, of course, I'm going to go for LEC. The two big games, we've got Fanatics, a pretty big favourite over Misfits. Probably should be. G2 should be a favourite over Rogue. Most people have G2 winning the championship. But here's the key thing. I actually think if you are certain G2 wins, these are good odds for G2. 1.488. My problem is this. It's not that I believe Rogue will win. I do think Rogue has a problem choking. I think G2's the team that's hard. But these odds are enormous for Rogue. I can see a world where they could win a series where G2 fails some of their early moves. The jungle doesn't get going early. They can't track Malrang. And actually, the guys from Rogue are able to just scale. They're able to have comp in the bot lane, carry the fights. You can have a game or two with like an RE game. They'll actually go on the Jensen side where you could, uh, Larson side where you could potentially carry. So I'm actually going to say, even though I think those are good odds for G2, I think the odds are just too crazy for Rogue. Like at 2.577, I think they win the series way more often than this implies. So I'm actually going to say screw it. And since we're getting enormous odds for a team, I think has a chance. I think is it still a contender? I'm going to do the full amount. I'm going to do a thousand. I'm going to say a thousand US dollars USDT that actually Rogue wins here, even though I think G2 is the better squad. I just think the chances are way higher. And I'm going to take a whole bunch when they're a massive underdog like that. Let's get back to the show. Right, let's All go right. on then. Let's talk about the XL Fnatic series. Like, what I love is, this is how fucked we are. We are sort of like haters, but in a righteous way. Because again, Fnatic won this series, but I agree. That I want to, even though I'm just going to, I'm going to destroy XL later. I actually want to start by flaming the fuck out Fnatic, even though they won this series. Because it's like, mate, again, I don't want to see any celebrations. Like, wow, everyone earned kebab tonight. You didn't earn shit yet. You didn't earn anything whatsoever this whole fucking year if you play for Fnatic. Like, I'm sorry, the way that series went again, you should not be feeling great about this series at all. Everyone in this fucking team still had moments where they almost threw the fucking shit. It was mental. Like, I, as you say... Obviously, the whole emphasis became upset because like, it seems like the team has collapsed to a degree. It is just like fucking give everything to upset now. And then even then, this is what sucks as well. Even though he wins the series, because he like almost did it in game five. Oh, mate, I bet, I'll bet the fucking upset haters, they had the shorts at the fucking... At their, literally at their ankles, they had the fucking lube top open. They were like <laughs> getting their hands going and then they were just about... And then fucking he got saved by like Razork or something, Popiol or something, was it? Like, I bet the second that got saved, they were like, oh! Oh, I'm so close. Like, because, mate, that was their dream that he gets caught like that. And he would obviously, then he would have been their fucking, it would have been his fault they didn't go to Worlds. Or, like, their yep. dream was about to come true, but sa sadly for them, it didn't. Because, mate, like I say, I think this series, that's why I can't believe in Fnatic, mate. The way this series went is like, that. like, here's what I would say. Bear in mind, they won. What the fuck was their game plan coming into this series? Because if it was this, they got no chance whatsoever at anything. They're not going to Worlds, they're not going to LEC Finals. It can't be this. This has to be the worst ever series they could play, mate. Otherwise, I can't believe in this team. This team is really rough. It was rough. I mean, like, look, I've been trying, personally, I don't know if you can notice, I've been trying to be more positive about LCS and LEC. Like, just okay. view it as, like, their okay. own leagues and right. don't try to just compare it all okay. the time. Because I feel like... If you compare it all the time, you just end up like becoming super negative and then the show becomes unwatchable. Fair enough. This was a game where, or this was a series where you could tell in the final games, like everyone was just choking out of their minds. Like there was some of these final team fights in this yep. series where it was just missed skill shot, missed ulti, missed skill shot, missed ulti, and then one team ends up winning. Like there was some games where it was like, 
everyone is choking to such a degree because they all feel the pressure. Like both teams feel like they're supposed to win that. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it became a complete shit show by the end. I mean, there was one, one fight around dragon where I think that like five, there was like five missed ultis before the fight even started. <laughs> these are like, bro, missing one of these ultis is supposed to be the crucial thing that loses you a team fight. But then you have five of them in the same fucking team fight. So super rough from that angle. But yeah, I mean, I guess Fnatic ended up clutching it out. Like there's some things to take away from this. Like the, the, the Yumi, not banning Yumi game four and game five. That was pretty ballsy because that's something yeah, yeah. where if you, if you don't ban Yumi and you lose game four and game five, can you imagine what would happen to Yamato? Like, why his so it's why hard. his meme after the game was fucking fire. It was a 10 out yeah. of 10 execution where he did the meme where it's like, you know, they found a scroll that contains a secret and it says ban Yumi, but then Yamaha and goes, I can't read lol. And the joke is he didn't <laughs> ban it, but they won anyway. No, I agree. That was another example. Like like I said about the the joke is the same way the upset haters were ready for that int, the Yamato haters were ready for that fucking draft to be called out forever. It's like he doesn't know the game. Why not fucking, Yumi? Yeah, exactly. He's an idiot. But here's the thing though, the reason why that tilts me is this dom this is actually something in this episode that obviously at the time of recording it's not the day that this comes out i've just released today the first part of my reflections with ls right and in it one thing he starts to broach which becomes like a, it's obviously a major part of his philosophy right now in draft is he actually thinks it's about like it's not just about the idea of like fucking i want to ban this like you can't really be going into a draft like ban zeri what do you, well, when no just ban zeri Oh, okay, ban Yumi. Like, there's that that's season three thinking, guys. That's like ban the castle did. Like, that's you can't do that in the modern draft. The question is, what are you going to give up in order to put it that high in the priority, right? And people are acting dumb for real, like genuinely as a Western coach. You can just pick fucking like red side and be like, first ban Yumi, and that just automatically win the draft. You have everything still to do in the draft, you fucking idiots. Like, they've taken the fans have taken this concept too far, Dom. Like, the Zeri and the Yumi. Obviously, yes, in general, they are going to be very strong. They don't just auto win every draft, though. Like, I feel people, are they going too far with this concept? I think that, that sure, you should be able to play into certain champions, but I think that there are like a couple bands that you can just be like, ban this. The whole fucking series, we just don't want to deal with it. Just give one ban to this, the entire series. I mean, you see teams do it with Draven right now, right? Like, you see Rogue, Rogue being like, it's literally just the same thing you said, like ban Draven. We are banning Draven every single game, every single side. Just it's one of our bans, right? I think that there's there's not enough OP champions in the game right now because when you look at the other champions that are being banned, like sometimes you see Zeri banned, but like you can leave up Zeri versus Sivir. That's not a, a, a huge mismatch. There's Poppy being banned or Trundle being banned, but you can leave up Poppy and Trundle. You can, you can exchange them. There's not those like must ban hyper OP champions that don't have answers in the meta. Like right now, there's a lot of uh, a parody where like champions will have answers. So you don't need to have like these distinct three bands on red side. The, the times where it's hardest to play red side is when you actually just have to ban OP champions because there's no good answer. Like the good answers just, just yes. look poor. I think that in this series, like I was on the side of banning Yumi. I, I just think you should have banned Yumi because they were looking. The, the problem was that XL looked like they could play it with not only the Sivir and the Zeri. They were then, uh, doing it with the Neela as well. And it's like, oh shit. Like now if they're doing it, now if they have this other champion, the Neela was looking good versus them. I was like, maybe you just want to get rid of it co completely. So I was on the side of just banning Yumi, make your lives easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess they just really believed in Lushinami. I think the, the thing that's weird for me is that they gave the Yumi, they picked the Lushinami, didn't even play the Lushinami well. And then they ended up winning anyway. It was like, what the fuck? Like, all right. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess leaving Yumi up worked, but 
I felt like it was more that XL was just really fucking choking it more than like this draft strategy Let's was Let's get into that part, by genius. the way, because obviously if, the, if Fnatic weren't so famous and didn't have so many star players and weren't supposed to be a super team, this whole series would have been starting with XL because the reason you'd roast XL is on paper, they were the favorite. They were supposed to win this series. I even think if you look at the first three games, this is a 3-0 Everything. Draft's great. The game's looking great, by the way. In the first couple of games, the players are clearly confident. They know what they're doing. They're getting the picks. Marcoon's good. Upset's good. Like, uh, no, Nuke Dog's all good. It's all fine. Everything's looking great. And then there's the point in game three. Like, mate, this is going to haunt XL like that fucking spring finals haunted the guys from Rogue when they first made it. And they could have 3-0'd and they didn't manage to do it. Because, mate, the way they tossed this fucking game three is so gross. Like, this is the shit you have nightmares about. You wake up in a cold sweat like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm not even in that fucking game anymore. Bloody hell, that was years ago. You know what I mean? Like the way their choice in this game, mate, was so... Here's what I hate about it, the game three one where if people don't know, it's the one where basically they could have just taken the elder and they say, fuck it and go take the base, but they don't mm -hmm. succeed in doing it. What I hate about this move is this. That's not an XL move. Dude, XL normally would be the smart team that would just back off and take the elder. Like, why not take the stats? You know what I mean? Like, why why are we going? Why why gamble for that? Like, that's the move I would expect G2 to make. Like, like finish the game now. Just go for it. Like, I thought that was such a... Because like, here's the problem, Dom. I have to speculate that what happened was they really did see the series right there. It was like, you know, the, you know those fucking wrestling matches where they put the belt on the ladder and you can see it. And the idea is every time where you beat each other up, you climb, you try to grab it. And then the guy comes from behind you and tackles you off. It's like they could almost touch the series win and they greeded for it they just greeded that they could end the game because if you look back now every time you just go back and take a free elder why wouldn't you yeah you take elder and then Baron and try to play it out i think the, the main reason that they did that is because they felt like that was going to be their best opportunity because of how hard twitch entered it and like twitch in, in that in that game three he still had flash up like upset made a, a, a massive mistake there where he didn't end up flashing the sidrati ult where he had full vision of the sidrati like nocturnal came in earlier but by the time he saw again he saw sidrati in front of him he did not flash the sidrati ult and all hell broke loose you know like i mean he died and they were in a position where they could never lose so i don't hate it that much that ending because i do feel like if Fnatic plays it well they're gonna have to turtle out they're going to be a disadvantage situation. I just can't really see Fnatic losing a fight when Twitch has flash up and he has the Yumi on him because that, that, that fight, like he was split off from the team. It did feel like it was one of the best situations possible. And I think they could have looked for the end and went back. The crucial thing was that the Sivir ends up getting ulted into the whole team or into the Nexus and he dies and then you can't even contest but they also the didn't have to cut there's the other thing they also didn't have to fully commit as well they could also backed off of it right you can still, you can, you're, still, yes. you're still in the game yeah you don't have to yeah. like make it the whole game flip yeah definitely definitely you you could you could look for it and then judge things as, as as you go and there's nothing wrong with that like there's no one that has just the absolute perfect uh like like idea of how much damage you're going to do to the turrets versus the enemy champions with the death timers. Like, that's just like, it's instinctive. It's off fail, of course, yes. Of, of course, people are going to, to after the game, be like, oh, well, it's so obvious yeah. that you can't end the game. Trust me, you don't fucking know. No, you, no, you it's, really like the, it's like the classic one where they all said, so all Soaz had to do was hit the base one more time. He doesn't know that in the moment, you fucking idiots. Like, it's all yeah. happening in real time, isn't it? I know. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and you have to make the choice or like, are you going to zone exactly. or are you going to hit? Yes. So I, I think that there it's fine to like look for it, right? But you, but you have to do just that. You look for it. And then as the situation progresses, you have to be very like, you have to be very conscious of what you're doing and what the situation is and then call it off when you see the crucial things. When you're like, oh shit, it's like 10 seconds and they have Grog. It's like, nah, 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 let's just go back Elder. 
we can still do elder at that point you know you just have to to weigh it out in the moment you have to have that in the moment shot calling which that's another thing that's like that's where experience comes in right yep that's the things that, that there's I, another I thing dude. too does well that's that's another reason it's hard to believe in XL, who, as I told you on paper, yeah, my head tells me should have won this series, but this is exactly Easily. why I picked Fnatic, because there's another problem. I'll tell you what, there's plenty of people are really smart, by the way, when they're not under pressure. You put them under pressure, I can tell you right now, like, I always describe it like this. If you're not used to pressure, you actually, it's like you get trapped in only the conscious part of your mind, and you can't access your whole brain, it feels like, and you're just reacting like an, on, like, fucking stimuli and, like, instinct, like a fucking animal. Like, you're not even thinking at that point in time, because, mate, XL when they're under pressure become like half as smart they're actually a really legit team when it's just a random game against not a big opponent they've got the right draft they're playing normally like the joke is this moment where they almost ended in 3-0 was like the last moment where they ever actually were going to win this series from that moment on you could just see like I I don't know if Fnatic could I wonder because on their side I'm sure they must have a dysfunctional comms and I'm sure their team's all over the place but I wonder if Fnatic could even see it mate because I could tell when I was watching this season like, oh that's it that was it. That was the chance right there. And because they sort of know it's the chance, fuck, they're going to play like pussies. They're going to be scared. They're going to miss everything. doesn't even matter what they draft anymore. At this point in time, like people are just going to play worse. And I felt like everyone crumbled. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely crumbled as a team. Um, I don't know. I, it just seems like this is a huge learning experience for Marcoon because he's the guy that it seems like is the one that everyone's listening to. It seems like his game sense is the best right now in XL. Um, and then also like, you know, just being a jungler, that's part of, you know, your, your role is just being able to, to make these decisions. So I feel like this is a, a huge experience for him. And I think that, you know, it's one of those, those moments where you can see if he ends up learning from it, becoming this like really top tier, like shot calling jungler of, of EU, you know, maybe somebody like, you know, the, the, the next mini Yankos type thing, or you if, you know, like it, it kind of, makes him well, doubt himself to be fair like as you say it is only his second playoff series like it's not yeah. he's played lords is it like off the top of my head i think it was his yeah i think it's his second yeah it's only his second one ever like fair mm -hmm. enough he just played two five game best of five series that made it through and by the way it was the same story both times he played a broken super team with better players who are way more experienced than they clutch it out or get lucky in the game five yeah i agree yeah. that for marcoon it's fine here's the thing though i'll give you a moment tom if you low-key wanted to hit on nuke duck you could definitely do it in some of these games at the end right yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean this is what you were saying. This is the reason why you don't really pick his teams, right? Because here's the difference. He's not going to clutch out the game five and win it like Caps, is he? He's not going to. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's just never been it for me. And I, I think that actually, like, Nuke Duck did, or, uh, like, Humanoid did step up over Nuke Duck. Like, Nuke Duck did get outclassed in the, in the last three games yep. of the series. I mean, this was probably the best we've ever seen Humanoid and, and Razork play together. They were actually the two best players on Fnatic, I, I, I think, overall. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was tough, but I mean, there was just some really weird games like that. The game, uh, the game three and the game four, I believe those are the ones where um, Nukeduck had Ari. Yeah, the in game three, and then oh no, no, no so game, game four and game five. Game four and game five, they had the Yumi Ari combo. Yes. And Mickey X would not leave Nukeduck. Like you just put the fucking Yumi on the carry. You put him. You put him on either the front line or the carry. You never put him on Ari. And he was just on Ari the entire fucking fight. It was so weird. Like I, I just don't know how they made this decision. I don't know if Nukeduck's like calling for it because he was ahead in the game at a moment. So he's thinking, put it on me. Like with extra stats, I'll carry the fight. I'm not sure if that's the dynamic specifically, but I thought this was like an egregious level of Yumi play. So. I mean, it's like one of those things where I don't even know if it was a good decision to leave up Yumi because if Mickey X just played well this game and, you know, he, he wasn't sitting the Ari Perma, 
I don't know. I, I feel like it, it just would have went, yeah, poorly for Fnatic. I don't think Fnatic well, that really was. I was going to try and like battle you on that with like theory crafting, but I actually realized the problem is it's not like they're picking any of the engaged champions right now, Dom. So I don't actually know because here's the problem: if this was a meta where if you banned Yumi, then Mickey X is like forced to pick like Thresh or some of his engaged champs. Then maybe actually you create a scenario where now he can like carry a game against you. But actually, he would have only picked some dog shit like a Lulu anyway. Like it's not like he's going to pick someone that's good for him anyway. So I actually agree. I don't really know actually how giving him the Yumi. Burn hurts him if you know what i mean yeah i mean i, I think that giving him the yumi it, it would have just been a win for xl if xl just play like it's like they forgot how to play yumi at some point during the series they were just like yeah you know did, what yeah. just sit on the re like it was just someone it was some of the worst yumi play i've seen um in a while but yeah i mean i, I hope the fanatic don't try to do that because i feel like misfits might be the team where if they give them or in yumi just the same way they did xl seems like that really is Misfits' bread and butter, and I, I don't think it will do them any favors. I just feel like there's just easier ways to, to beat XL. Oh, and by the way, since you said it earlier, yeah, let's revive the topic. Since we have, like, this show, because it's only been this year, unfortunately, this year, Razork's been a, under the spotlight. He has been a target for criticism and scrutiny. Justifiably, sometimes it might have gone a bit too far. We'll see. If I had that mid lane of fucking Inton all the time and my support Inton, I might also have a hard time. But even so, you just look at his play. If you look at his path and he's had issues, it looks like he doesn't connect with his teammates. I agree with what you said earlier. This is easily the best he's looked. Like, he actually was even, like, one of the reasons they won some of these games. He was the clutchest player he was the most clutch, clutch player on Fnatic. like the crucial saves uh like in, in moments uh where upset was like inting the the ability to just like have good power i mean he was getting his team a, a ahead early he was playing really well it's just like man his team did not really do him any favors like there was so many games where it was like like what wonder would would be ahead and then he would just have like these just super strange situations like this this like this renekton play it was like man you're you remember who you are wonder like you're you're the guy that was like in these situations. You're the veteran, but he was running it down at, at crucial points as well. So, yeah, I mean, I will say that this was uh, this was definitely Razorg serious. This is the one where if people are going to be like, oh, like bench Razorg after the year, Razorg fans can look at this, be like, he saved the team's ass. If Razorg plays just okay, if he plays at the level of like another jungler, like if he played at the same level Oyoya did, where you know he was making some mistakes and having some good plays, but he wasn't having just a, a banger series for him, they just lose. They lose in game four, probably. They, they maybe even lose in game three if Razor isn't playing well. So I don't know. I, I really think that he he stepped up big in this one. Like his teammates really griefed it. The ones that you'd expect to, to clutch it out, the people that have been the best this series, this season up until this point, upset and wonder, they had very forgettable series, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. The other thing I would also say, I want to get your take on this, is like, even though I have... Obviously, another player I've hard flamed the last half of the split was Finn. Like, I thought he could just auto-lose the series himself. Here's the thing. He still won a game on Kled. The first few games, he actually did fine. Listen, yes, he did badly in the last couple. Almost everyone did on XL. I don't even put this series on him, mate. I'd certainly think as a team, I would consider potentially a replacement, a different player, especially if they were going to keep playing weak side. But I'd, I can't blame him for this series, mate. It's not like it was his fault. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty creative the way that XL played game one and game two where they just like five-man bot at level six. Seemed like Fnatic had never seen that before. And that was kind of the angle why, I mean, if XL kept on doing that, why you why if you used purely analysis, you would expect XL to 3-0 the series because they just have better prep. It seems like they get way more out of their practice. Like when they come into a series, it's like they know what they're doing. They, they have an idea of how they want to attack the enemy team where a lot of teams will have that maybe like in terms of draft, but strategically in the game, you don't see a lot of those like 
practiced early games where, where you could tell that they had an idea. It's like, okay, so we play Kled TF. What do we do when we play Kled TF? At level six, Kled walks bot, ulties through. You have uh, TF ulti down as well. You 5e3 the bot lane. Boom. Explode the whole game like that. I think that, that's, that stuff is really good. The problem for me with Finn has always been the same. I have never seen him play good for like an entire split. He's never had a good split that's where fair. he was just yeah. solid for a, a prolonged period of time. He always has like two, three weeks where it's like, oh, he's, he looks like one of the top top laners in the league for like two, three weeks. And then he's just like terrible for like a few weeks. And then even in, in one series, he'll play well a couple games. And then he'll play like terrible a, a couple games. It's not like he goes from being a, a nine out of 10 to like, a six out of 10. He goes from being a nine out of 10 to like a one out of 10. He's, yes. he is that inconsistent when it comes to his play. So I just, I feel like he's played a long time now. Like he is a mega veteran when you think of it. I know yep. a lot of people still, because in this new era of league of legends players, just, it takes a longer period of time for them to be considered a veteran um, than they used to, but he's been playing for a long fucking Remember, time. This now. guy came up on the fucking rogue team that we're talking about like two years ago. If not more than that. Yeah. It was in yeah. 2020. That was when this guy was coming up and the, and that was exactly when he was the player that you talk about back then. That's well, the problem. He always had in 2019. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he, was he was even around then. Yeah, summer. Yeah. The other thing that's wild to me is this: is oh, you're right. Yes, yeah, sorry. It was yeah, it was the 2019 one. Yeah, well, I was I get the years wrong. What makes it so wild is you described it perfectly. That's why I've never believed in this player because what actually gets him the hype is the pop off game. It's not the average level ever. It's that. It's like you said it perfectly. It's that when he has his champion and he has his pop off, he will have a really big game, and it's almost like the ripple of that can just like allow him to have like two int games after that and people still in their brain like yeah but he could carry and it's like yeah but look one out of three games is what you can do and, and by the way even then that's probably generous now and the problem mm -hmm. is as well like here's the other thing it has to be like it can't just be cled i know it isn't only cled he can play but in terms of like guaranteed to smash because remember they're all going to tell you no 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 but it's aurelia as well he's had plenty of aurelia games that he didn't fucking smash the game what are you talking about like and that what also in 2022 you're relying on aurelia picks there's not even a fucking champion in the West. No one even plays the shit. So like, it's yeah, the, pro the problem he has is... counter to Nar, that's it. He's that's just got really too is. limited a champion pool. And, and clearly, here's the other thing. I know this sounds harsh, but this is why I don't want him on a team like XL Dom. I actually think for real, players like him should be the star players of bad teams. I know this will sound harsh, but he should be on like an Astralis and they should just give him all the resources and picks and let him carry some of these games. I don't think though, you can, because here's the thing, if you're in the top teams, so often the top laner is going to be the guy who's the sacrificial lamb. He can't do that. It's not his game. It doesn't make sense for him. Yeah, I mean... Look, like he had the solo kill in game four. He definitely had moments in the series. Like you said, this wasn't like a terrible thing. Oh, he didn't but... lose them the game. He didn't lose them the series, no. Yeah, not at all. Like, I, I think that he, I wouldn't even say it was the worst player on, on the series. No, the no. issue that I have with what you just said was you want him to be the star player of a bad team. I had that same take, but then how the fuck do you explain 2021? Where he was on that CLG team, where he was supposed to be the star player of that CLG team, and he just was like mediocre, and they're just a fucking tenth place team. I, mean, I will say, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have suggested an LCS though, because the other thing is okay. as well, Dom. In my team, he's going to be an LEC, and he's going to obviously be permanently split pushing while he's got ahead, isn't he? Like that's never going to happen in LCS. So the problem with that is in LCS, you're just going to hear around but mid. Aren't you? Look, so... when when he was when he was in LCS, he had he had one of the most successful players in the history of LCS and Wild Turtle. He had Poe Belter. He had an EU jungler, Broxa. 
The goal of the EU top synergy. By the, way, top synergy? the one area I can't give a break was I actually even thought on paper that was not a bad team. That was a decent set of players that I put around you. It could have yep. been way better than it was in the game for I sure. I thought they yeah. would be like a sixth place team. I was yeah. surprised how shit they were. Like I was, was like, wild, damn, they really are terrible. Yeah. Right, what about this then? So let's just do it then. In theory, there are two series left. We know one. Uh, we've already done the G2 Rogue one, obviously. There's, we know Misfits Fnatic happens now, and then the winner plays Mad Lions. So let's just do the Misfits Fnatic one. Basically, the problem I have here is this. I don't really have any reasons that Fnatic should win based on that series. So if I end up picking Fnatic, which I'm really 50-50 on this one, I'm sort of doing it just because I don't believe in Misfits if I do that. So here's the question. You said earlier, probably Fnatic. What, what are the reasons why Fnatic wins this? Um, well, I think that they, they can adapt the draft way more towards like harming misfits. Like what G2 did was G2 still went with the Poppy Trundle ban versus Zanzara. I mean, Razor was really good on the Poppy Trundle. So I think that if Fnatic does that, that's like a war crime in draft. Like they could play both sides of that matchup. Like just pick the Trundle and make him play one of his picks into yes. Trundle. You know, like I, I think that that they really have an advantage here where other teams maybe didn't practice Poppy Trundle as much or they didn't, they weren't that comfortable playing both sides because that is a playable matchup for Poppy. It's not like if you take Poppy and he get, takes Trundle, you have no advantages and you're just like a tank that he takes all the stats. It's not like the Sejuani versus Trundle matchup that used to happen where it was really, really fucking bad um, for the, the Sejuani where if you get into team fights, you just lose all your stats. Even if you try to like play through it and take Halo Blades or Fleet Footwork, it just never seemed to work out. So... I do think that, that what they could do is they could just leave up those champions, ban out the Yumi, like you don't need to give Mercy Yumi, and just play like a, a standard game. They have the picks in into um, Misfits, right? Like they could play the Gwen into uh, Orn, which didn't, like, I don't think Wonder played his best Gwen games um, here, but his, like this whole season, he's been fine in that matchup. That's been a matchup that I think has been good for him. So when I look at their, their drafting, I just feel like, the only way they lose is if they try to take the same approach G2 did. I don't think they're good enough to take the G2 approach. I think they need to really just view Misfits for what they are. They are an extremely limited one-style team. Draft in the way to fuck over that one style as much as possible. They will not beat you in like a 50-50 standard game. Also, here's the thing. The difference is, right, when you're talking about the ban Yumi that Yamato didn't do against XL, there's another factor Mickey X doesn't look like you just lose automatically because he has Yumi. The difference is, it's it's specifically because it's Mercer, I would ban Yumi every single game no matter what. Because if you make him actually have to be a real support player, now he's going to have problems. He's just not going to be as good. And he can take whatever he wants at that point in time. He can have a Lulu, he can have whatever he wants. Just no Yumi for you, Mercer. You don't get it, mate. I would never allow that ever in a million years. Yep, never allow it. I'll, I'll never allow it too. And also, it's like, it's one of those things where people will be like, I mean... The, I'm sure the Yumi pick, like, or them leaving it up, they ended up winning. I don't know if that worked to me. I didn't feel like it was a good decision. It was like, yeah, they ended up winning, but they didn't feel like they won because they could really handle Yumi any more than they did earlier. It just kind of felt like the Yumi was played slightly worse and like other players were just kind of like choking on XL. So, I mean, that wouldn't give me confidence in, in, in that style. I just really hope that I don't see these Poppy Trundle bands because people have like, People are allowing Zanzara to just be like the best version of himself. They're like, you ban the Poppy Trundle versus him. So now you have to ban two, you, you have to give two bans, and then he just plays like Sejuani or some shit. And he's fine at Sejuani. Like Sejuani is 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 a very uh is a very Zanzara champion. Like Sejuani, I mean his Vi was terrible, but I don't expect him to play play Vi. He's able to play the Skarner. He's just getting still good champions for his playstyle. You're not doing anything by getting him off the, the Poppy and Trundle. 
we saw his trundle. His trundle wasn't better than like Elioya's trundle or Marcoon's trundle, or it wasn't better than Razork's trundle. So why are we doing this again? Like literally, why are we? Yeah, doing the weird this? part I don't get is this. I would genuinely say to the coaches of the fucking teams playing against Misfits. Forget what you're doing to Zanzara. The question is, why don't you want another ban against fucking Vethio or Neon? Why don't you want to take something more away from them? Like, that's going to make it... Like, I think if you watch... There's the other reason why on paper there should be no way Fnatic should lose to Misfits. Because, mate, even Misfits know that in the team fights it's all the Neon show. Like, if you saw in some of the games they got against G2, the joke was, dude, there were times when Vethio was, knew he was just bait on all these fights. And he's just trying to, like, draw people away and bring them into a claw... Just so that, like, the fucking bot lane can have a chance to actually do it DPS. Like, everyone who's watching these games, including Misfits, knows it is going to be Neon in these team fights. So if you know that, you could definitely play cynically against them for fuck's sake. Come on. Yep. He's an ADC. Yep. And there's two champions that, that need to actually be able to do that in, in the team fight. Those two champions are, are Sivir and Zarya. Those are the only two champions that are going to pop off in the team fights. You don't have to ban the Draven. So, like, I'm already looking past it. Like, maybe Fnatic will ban Draven when they play against Mad because I think Fnatic will just beat Misfits. I think that I'd be I'd be so ashamed. I'll, like, if they lost XL, it would be reasonable. Misfits, I rate lower than XL. I don't care about, like, the season, like, the regular split standings. When you get into best of fives, you get into, like, heavily prepping for a team. If you have, if you're relatively one-dimensional, you should be shit in best of fives. Like, that is Great. just how it goes. So... If they're not able to beat Misfits, I, I think that they've completely failed. Like, that is worse than, than losing to XL. And I just think that it's really easy to to play against uh, to, to play against Misfits here. I think you just ban Yumi. Um, I think you leave up the Poppy and Trundle. I don't think you need to ban even the... Um, I, I don't think you need to even ban the Draven. And I think if you really want to be cynical, I would like to see them go the other way. Ban the Zeri Sivir side of it. Don't let either player play Zeri Sivir and force them into things like you know, the neon affilios play affilios versus Lucianami. Like if, it, cause I, I expect that fanatics could have still run back to Lucianami. They played it terribly. They still won. If after those games, they wanted to play Lucianami, I feel like they definitely will, will still play it here. It's the other thing as well, Dom, because specifically they don't in theory have to just have upset, carry the team fights. They don't have to have the Zeri or the Sivir. Like you can go, there's the plenty of bag for fucking upset. He could play an Aphelios, whatever, could play it, almost anything in the meta now. Remember, he's just playing it as an ADC. He's not having to carry the fight. So I think they have a different draft priority than Misfits does. As you're saying, Misfits basically must get one of these for Neon. They don't win the series yep. if they don't. Yeah, I think that they have to. It's it's this um, splits version of Jinx, right? Yes. Like that, that was the Neon pick before yep. uh, the 1v9 champion in team fights. Now you have two of them. You you have Zeri and you have Sivir. I think the Sivir is probably more dangerous because Zeri is like, you have to have a better team and you need like your team to understand when you can hit so you keep your ultimate on. You can really snowball through the fight. I would just say, don't let him have, have the, the Sivir at all in the series. I think that's one of the only ways Misfits could win. No, great. I thought you did a very good job DPSing before. The other thing I would also say about this series is, just like in the last one, we praised Razork. This is another brilliant chance for Razork to get another nice win under his belt, to look good. Like, he is a better player than Zanzara. He should be able to outperform it. I even think, as you're saying about the jungle meta, he's going to have his picks. Like, he's going to get what he wants. So I think Razork can do a lot in this series. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think that this is. I mean, it, it's it's kind of sad to me. We even have to say that. It's like Razork is definitely better than Sansara, right? I know. Like, <laughs> like, Jesus, <laughs> I am reaching to give him credit. Now. I don't fucking. Know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, what about so, this man. then? So obviously the weird thing is we can't really do too much with it. But in theory, I guess actually we are both taking Fnatic. When I actually went through all the factors, I guess I am taking them because actually, like I said earlier on, I think Misfits got all the everything they wanted in the G two series, and they still sort of didn't even play off the comp conditions half the time. So I can't even trust them to just scale and win like that. So let's do it then. Assume, presumably, Mad Lions will be playing Fnatic, right? Obviously. Mm. This is one of the factors, right, that I think you're... When I look at this series, I actually see two potential ways it goes. One, I actually think basically Mad Lions can... They should have complete fucking draft Nirvana here. They should be able to do whatever they want. They should be able to get the better draft most of the time. And then the other thing for me is this. I actually do think top to bottom, in terms of form, they have easily the better players. They have easily the better lanes. Everything looks great. The only factor I actually think is a concern is this is Mad Lions players themselves. I know some of them are champions, but they're not super veterans. There is a world where they also could be susceptible in a game or two to maybe choke to the bigger names. But I, and that's the only way I can see Fnatic doing anything against Mad Lions. I don't really even know logically how they get in these games. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty tough. I think that Mad Lions is essentially just a cracked version of XL. Like they're just better at the early game. They're they're more practiced on those things. And I mean, you just saw that Fnatic, they literally look like they're playing solo queue even though they started bringing it together at other points, it literally just looks like they are playing solo queue out there. There's no real coordination. I mean, like, I mean, they just Hilly and Ups yeah, people just go in. Hilly and upset still don't look like they have synergy, which is weird because that was the strength of, of Fnatic when they were looking good in spring was that Hilly and upset looked like they still had synergy from playing together for a while. I feel like that's just kind of gone and, and the meta doesn't suit Hilly at all. Like Hilly just can't really play range supports. Like, let's be honest here. Yumi is... I mean, everyone can play Yumi because, uh, like, yeah, I mean, people can play Yumi with their fucking feet. But if we get into Lulu and Nami, like, those types of, of games, I just don't expect them to perform super well. I think Kaiser is similar, but Kaiser's just better than than Hilly across the board right now, it seems. But you can at least rely on a bit of restraint from him. Yep. <laughs> at least he's yep. going to play with a little bit of respect and some breaks, you know. Yeah, he, he won't just, like, mercilessly <laughs> in. I mean... Hilly's Nami was so it's wild, fucking it? bad. It was actually There's another so thing, bad. by the way. This is why if you if a player's a great player, you have to point out their weaknesses. Because, mate, Nami's just not even a Hillisang champion. Like I've just described earlier, first of all, it's about holding the ult. That's not the Hillisang way. Secondly, you are so squishy early, you can get blown up with any misstep. Hillisang loves to go for those mad gambles. So, like, it's just not a champion for him, mate. It's not for him. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that you need is you need low cooldown spells that have potentially really high reward. That's what Hilly's good at. Like Nautilus, Nautilus hook, you know, like Pike hook. Like those, that's, he needs to be able to just walk up and like try to kill you. Like, oh, can I hit this? Oh, okay, I missed it. All right, like I'm backing off. Nami, you can't do that. Like the only way you, you try to make a play is like a fucking flash bubble or you just ult somebody and it just, like the, you see the ult traveling so slow. That is just not a Hilly champion at its yeah. core. I think the Mad will 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 win that series when Fnatic plays them because I, I I do think that Fnatic should be able to beat Misfits. I mean, yeah, I mean they're they're just lucky. Fnatic is just lucky that there's four seeds right now in World oh, for uh, LEC. They're oh, that's, super lucky, dude. That's the maddest thing. I actually hadn't even thought that far because I still haven't recovered from XL losing. It's like fuck. Yeah, in theory, Fnatic should go to Worlds now. Shit, fuck. Yeah. 
That's here's what's whack about that, Dom. If they only go to Worlds by beating Misfits and they get utterly shit on by Mad, that's going to be really underwhelming. And like, holy fuck, they made it after all that. Basically, by the way, just because it was an extra slot that you weren't even supposed to have, that'll be kind of whack in a way. That will. Yeah, and then you look at the plans and the way plans works, it's going to be actually pretty. Oh hyped yeah, this because year one seed slot misses. Yeah, one seed can't make it throughout the major regions. Right, there's only four yep. slots and there's five five teams. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So they might even, there's a chance you fail plans. Fuck look, hell. Look. I'm not sure. I've been pretty big on like that EU is better than NA thing. Recently, I don't know if fourth seed from EU is stronger than third seed from NA. Like if they're going to be that much better that like, let's say like, dude, if TL is the one that makes it over EG, because right now TL and EG both cannot make it to world. So LCS is actually pretty exciting in that uh, situation because everyone just wants to see one of those teams that's really hyped up fail. If Teal ends up making it versus Fnatic, like, damn, that is literally just the same team twice. I would love to watch that that best of five. I mean, I would assume that the EU team would probably win, like, EU super team better than NA super team, but my God, that would be a fucking, that would be just an absolute shit show of, of best of ones. So, mate, what sort of clown are we going to look like to the fucking Asians when we're making super <laughs> teams and they're just battling each other the planes? Like, come on, bro. Like, we just look like idiots, don't we? Like, meanwhile, by the way, as usual in the LPL, they can just bring in fuckers like Wayward that you've never heard of. They're just fine. They're just world class already immediately, like day one. I bet no one watching this show even knows what I'm talking about. They don't watch LPL. Like, you don't, yeah. don't worry. He's way better than all the rest of the West. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Wayward is pretty fucking crap. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Also, like, they'll it? just play the champions that are strong. Like, we have this aversion to NAR in, in the West. Like, people are like, nah, NAR is not a good champion. Bro, that champion looks. It, it looks like it's the fucking CEO of LPL. Like you just pick NAR and that shit in team fights will just land an insane ult. It is so threatening. And then it just starts winning side versus everyone. So yeah, I mean, look, it's t- top esports and JDG. They can't be in the plans. They're already one and two um, guaranteed. So you won't have to worry about that in plans. But the thing that's different is like an LPL super team. If you fail, you just don't make worlds. Like yeah. if you're BLG and it's like a failed super team, you're getting like ninth. Like you get yes. like ninth, tenth place in the LPL. So you're not even fucking close. The problem here is that they're just giving away spots. Yeah, but that's yeah. actually, by the way, that brings me back to the beginning point, which is that's the worst thing is like TL and Fnatic might end up going, but not because they're good, just because they're sort of like everything else collapsed and they just stole the last spot going out the door or some fucking stupid shit like that. So yeah, that's mad, isn't it? That there's a world where Fnatic's going to go after all this. By the way, I don't even care if they do go to Worlds. They must change this roster. They cannot point. In good faith, you could not run this roster back. You couldn't, mate. Yeah. And I'm talking like it probably has to be pretty drastic changes, like at least two players, at least. Well, it's like weird, right? Because the, the person that was like the most obvious would have been like humanoid, right? Because it looks Yo. like he just simply does not give a fuck. Like it looks like he is just trolling the fucking games. What happens if he ends up like clutching it out and he's one of the main reasons you are at Worlds and then Razor steps up too and the people that are looking bad at the end of the day are fucking upset and 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 uh, wonder. What do you end up doing then? Are you really going to bench Hillisong? Are you going to bench Upset? Are you going to bench Wonder? Like, those are fucking tough decisions. Well, there's going to be make. some very hard choices. Yeah. And by the way, the reason why those choices are extra hard is because, God forbid, like Mickey X style, that guy goes to another team and then it's like an MVP candidate immediately. And then everyone's just telling him you're an idiot for firing him, you know? Like, that can obviously happen with Hillisong, can't it? Like, it's on the table. He's done it before. He's had probably the crazy. I mean, he has. He's had splits where he was in the spring, he was the MVP candidate. Now he's just complete trash and no one even wants. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> That's that. But the point is, that can rebound the other way too oh, like you might be the sad. might be the mvp candidate of spring 2023 might need like i wouldn't put it past yeah. him no i mean if you if you <laughs> give up hill like you just know the next split he is just going to be absolutely popping off it'll be like 
what the fuck? Like, wait, he's just the best player in the entire region. And the whole, and everyone's just going to retcon it again. It'll just be, yep. it'll be the same thing as the humanoid thing where the whole community will be like, well, of course he's this good, bro. This is hella song. Like, oh, that's going to be a nightmare. I'm happy. I'm not fanatic. I'm not making decisions for no, fanatic no. right now. But that GM probably has the hardest offseason of any team since the G2 one, by the way. It was the same scenario. It's like, right, who do you kick out of like Mickey X, Wonder, and Reckless? Like, Fucking, why do I have to kick any of them? No, you must. You must kick most of them. Like, all right, then. My job, my job on the line, I guess. Fucking hell. The well, Carlos like, just doesn't give a fuck, right? Like, Carlos is just like, luckily, yeah, fuck yes. all those guys. Luckily, you know? he tanks so. it. Exactly, yeah. Yep. Uh, what about this, then? The one other angle I wanted to ask was, um, is there a world, you think, where Fnatic can actually, like, I have to ask it because of the players, can they series by series? Because remember, it would be two full best of fives till they would be in the final. Uh, and let me think. Well, three. No, in the lower bracket final. Yeah, we three yeah. before the final. So it could potentially be like 15 games. Is it possible they can actually level up and become a real team by then? Is that even sure. on the cards? Is, is it a possibility, do you think? Yeah, but I like, I don't know. It's It's not a good way that they get there you know i don't think that they just level up and become monsters i think they could win a shit fest versus mad lions and i think rogue could like choke out of this world you know i'm assuming that rogue loses to g2 so they're going to be the team that drops down in that uh into, into the lower bracket final i mean that that doesn't really i mean if they just made the final with this roster and they do it in the same way that they beat xl i'm not super impressed with that right like i'm not i'm not one of the people that's going to look at that and be like okay well now, now I believe in them as a team. They actually have to to look like they know what they're fucking doing. Like I, I like seeing teams that have that that feel like they get they've gotten value from their practice. I have not seen Fnatic do things like Excel did, for example, in the first two games, where they, it's like they have practiced something. Okay, we are we are going bot at level six with our top leader. So here's the timing. TF has has ulti at level six. Our top laner is going to TP top. He's going to get the push. The enemy top laner is going to have to TP, and then. On a base, instead of our top leader going back top, he's going to run bot. They're going to five-man dive. I've never seen something like practiced come out of Fnatic. It just feels like they're kind of just feeling out the game and just like all doing whatever. I just want to see something like that before I believe in Fnatic again. I just want to see them doing something together that looks practiced. It looks like they've actually scrimmed and not just like wasted their time for a whole fucking week just playing lane phases. Well, whatever you waste your time with in the next week, be sure to come back for the next episode of the Best Damn League Show, period.